receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animated chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the left to F in your dictionary. And add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. So well done. The narrative has to carry all the explanation of what's going on. And I love the book. I think that was one of the rare things where, because that came on when I was really young, but I think I'd actually read the book before. Before you saw it? Yeah. I think because, weirdly enough, like one of those really rare times when I'd seen the Star Log and knew it was coming. So I went to the library and got the Lathe of Heaven and read it, you know, and, and so interesting. Uh, yeah, interesting book. Well, here we are. It is uh, Wednesday, February second, and right, we're still th- no it's Thursday. The sec- it's, it's the Thursday, third. the second. Uh, yeah, it's it weird the- to have the month start in the middle of the week, <laughs> and yet it must. Uh, <laughs> it's got a one in seven chance. It happens. Uh, <laughs> we're on Thor's day. Um, oh, this is the God of Thunder's day. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's Thursday. Sorry, because we put off because we had a uh, had uh, a special event today. So this is Thursday, February second, and we are podcasting from the Brett Cave. This is Derek McCaw, editor in chief of FanboyPlanet.com, and across from me, with his stack of comics ready to talk. Rick Brett Snyder. There we go. Podcast producer extraordinaire. And we are, of course, if you're listening to this, it's funny how I roll into that. I was distracted by the Star Wars brand Kleenex. Debbie got those at the dollar store. Or a friend of hers bought it, bought them for her at the dollar store. I, I could not blow my nose on Leah. Anyway, you to, if you Well, were, you have to explain a little bit more. Okay. It's a pack of of tissues, Kleenex tissues that are Star Wars. Like pocket packs. Yeah. But I'm sure it's just the wrapper that has uh, I'm pretty Fisher sure. and R2-D2. Uh, but anyway, it, it, it is funny. Is that that kind of... The marketing that goes, oh yeah, you know. Anyway, uh, if you are speaking of marketing, if you're listening to us on iTunes or I guess Google Play, either way, please rate us, review us, subscribe, tell your friends, or you can listen to us. Oh, I just had Coke Zero caffeine free. Our sponsor tonight and that brought up. Uh, anyway, sorry for a little belch. Uh, anyway, the, uh, if you're listening to us on FanboyPlanet.com itself, please, you know, the, there you go. Each and every uh, podcast has a page of its own, and I assume people do uh, like might put us on the background while they're working on their web browsers. Sure. I don't know. Um, you I, can do that. You it's could. Easy. I don't. You know. I. I it's fine. I don't listen to us. I don't, you know, don't hold me responsible for what I say or do, but I don't remember having said it. Uh, and if you, there's something we talk about on tonight's podcast that uh, you're thinking you'd like for your very own, uh, aside from human beings, of course, you know, if there's a, if it's a book or a movie, uh, DVD, uh, you can, of course, first, I encourage you, go to your local brick and mortar store. I'm saying if we talk about movie stars. You cannot own a movie star. You can only own their hearts. Or the studios can. Their heart. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, yeah. They used to. They used to be a lot better at it. Anyway, if you can't find it at your local brick-and-mortar store, you can, of course, use the Amazon link on our website. We get a small kick from that. And if you would like to help defray the cost of hosting a podcast and – 
You know, people can use that link and then go just go on a shopping spree oh, in Amazon. You would be as long as they follow that link in. You would be surprised. They can buy what, tube socks. They can buy vitamins. Uh, Rick, they do. Okay, I see what people buy. I don't know who they are. Nice, but I have seen. I've seen dog food sold. I have seen uh, CD blank CD ROMs, which that's you know cables. You know, people go in and pick up all kinds of little things, knickknacks. I yes, love that. It all works. Yeah. And it adds up to pennies on the dollar. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, it, it helps defray the cost. So Penny thank you. on the dollar. Penny, you know, dozens of pennies per year. Uh, anyway, uh, and of course, if uh, you would like to help defray the cost of the, of hosting all this, Fanway Planet, the website and the podcast, you can uh, donate at PayPal using the handy dandy um, <clears throat> email address of editor at fanboyplanet.com where of course you can also direct all questions comments compliments criticism commentary to editor at fanboyplanet.com so get that ready for you right now because you're you know maybe we're going to say something inflammatory i don't could know be. could be i feel like we're in dangerous times i have a couple you know we have we have a top story tonight uh, we got this is our annual uh, focus on Cinec. Well, I guess we do like two or three focuses on Cinequest, but this is the sitting down with with the program. This director. is the start of the Cinequest. This is the start season. of the Cinequest season, and we've got that. We've got some a little bit of comics news. Uh, we've chosen no matter what we do, we will always include our weekly recommendations. Uh, the what's in the bag section, and we got a little. Eh, there's some big TV speculation to go on hmm. this week. I mean, there's just no doubt. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Nate. If you're listening to this, you do not have to stay for that section because I know – unless you want to go to sleep uh, and, and you need my dulcet tones to help you out. So let's start with uh, – we do top story tonight that we sat down earlier today with Mike Rabel, the uh, Rabel, Rebel uh, – Rebel uh, – I'm trying to – Shall I leave that part in? <laughs> yes, absolutely. I don't know. I, uh, I don't think it was included in the interview, but I was like, how do I pronounce it? Um because we've been friends for a long time, and I thought I just had I, I've had it the last couple of weeks just this after the David Avalone thing where uh-huh. I've been saying Avalone, and we've been friends for years, and it's like you've never once corrected me. <laughs> I'm like ah crap, which I should say go back to that episode because the Hollywood Reporter ran an article this week on the Doc Savage Ring of Fire miniseries uh-huh. coming because of the crossover with Amelia Earhart. So we had the scoop first, but the Hollywood there Reporter. Had the reach. <laughs> so anyway, uh, if you listen to Fanboy Planet, we got it early, you know, for whatever that's worth. And so can you. Be in the know. Anyway, if you want to be in the know about Cinequest, pay attention to this. Uh, sitting down with Mike Rabel at the offices of Cinequest. Yeah. Well, we're settled. Thanks for the coffee. And let's begin. Um this is our annual Mike Rabel conversation. Although, actually, I guess that's my annual because you've, you've put other people in, but we enjoy... He ducked out. He ducked out a couple of years ago. I think he well, came in and whispered. Like I probably did. I, pro- I, pro- I probably like saw you guys in there and said, oh, I'm a little afraid right now. <laughs> yes, because you're a delicate flower. I am. Um, snowflake. I'm a snowflake. <laughs> so let's talk about <laughs> Cinequest 2007... No, I'm sorry. Cinequest Film and VR Festival. So yeah. this is... We, which there was some VR last year. So Actually, I there wasn't. We didn't do it last year. I thought we, you had a VR lab. No, we were going to last year, but it wasn't going to be right, so we decided to wait until oh. we could make it right. Because I think that, you know, weren't the Keeling brothers going to be involved in that somehow? They did the Barco. Yeah. They did Barco. Yeah. I can't keep up with the technological they changes. They did Barco, <laughs> and they did early 4K. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So there's a success story from Cinequest Pass, but let's let's begin with okay. So you said we couldn't do it right. That's a great opening question. We couldn't do it right 
last year. So what is right, and how is it? Why is it working? This well, year? when we when we when we started to do it uh, last year and started planning it out, it just we if we were to put it together, it would have just been kind of half ass, and um, it would have been not a complete picture of what the medium is capable of. Mm-hmm. And that didn't seem right. We would just be kind of just showing projects. And it's, it's it became like, do we just show stuff and that's it? Or do we actually want to do something that actually makes sense? Mm-hmm. Especially, you know, being in the where we are, Silicon Valley and everything, where the, where the hub of a lot of the technologies are. It didn't make sense to just throw some VR projects together and put headsets on people and not do much with it. Or talk about it or, or do forums and workshops. So this year we're actually doing workshops alongside the content. And the workshops are going to be about making VR as well as the implementation of it in the future um, scope of things. Uh, so, you know, how to use it as a social medium, too, at the same time as using it as to make world change in medicine and everything else. And um, But at the same time, we want to help filmmakers understand mm-hmm. how to create that, too. So there's going to be forums and workshops both talking about the different things. And we were going to be able to do all that last year the way it was going. So just we wanted to hold off until we could make that work and be like the place where people know that's going to be. And so every year we're going to do a lot of stuff like that. Um, and uh, we came up with some great content this year. Um, I haven't seen all the projects myself because I don't do that side of things. But um, I've seen a couple of the projects and I'm really, really thrilled by those already. So And, um, uh, and one of them actually just got nominated for Academy Award. Uh, which Short is Pearl. animated project? Pearl. Pearl. Okay. Um, but it's the first, It's but it's also created in VR space. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's the first VR project actually nominated for Academy Award too. Um, but yeah, so we're, we're actually showing the 2D and the VR version of it. Okay, good. So that's because one question that comes up for me is processing all the people through. It's one thing to have 500 people watch a movie at a time. There is no communal VR experience yet. So you've yeah. got like a gallery. It's down the street here. Uh, remind me of the name of the gallery that's going to host the VR. Oh, and I'm Dominic. But we're actually doing it in different venues too. There's going to be that plus over at the Fairmont. We're going to have a space. We're going to there's going to be spaces in different mm-hmm. places. So we will be having different VR um, uh, lounges basically. Yeah. Plus we'll we'll also have the uh, the canteen and arcade too, which is going to be a different different altogether. You can have like the Google Brush. That was the one I was really yeah, tilt brush. Tilt brush. That's right. Okay. But isn't it Google is Google Google created it, it, yeah. yeah. Or, or at least at least people bought it through yeah. Google, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't keep track of how they're branding everything, but the Tilt Brush, which was an amazing looking product and, and Oh you haven't used it yet. Oh my god. Oh I have not. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> when when we went up to San Francisco to meet with uh uh one of the media companies up there, uh, they had it in there and we just were like playing around with that it was great. <laughs> Amazing technology. So it isn't yeah. just film. It, you know, there there is the the virtual reality. But let's talk about the film since this is where it started. Um, <clears throat> talk about your high points. I know you, you've got the things you really want to want to tap. We got there's always something great on opening night. There's always something great on closing night. There's always something great in between. But those are the big ones. And then I want to focus on what are the genre things. Somebody listened to a yeah. site a podcast called Fanboy Planet. Wants well, to know where's the sci-fi? Where's the aliens? <laughs> where are the aliens? <clears throat> well, um, there actually is an alien film. So anyway. Uh, but opening night is actually really cool. It's a it's a comedy with Shirley MacLaine and Amanda Seyfried, um, directed by Mark Pellington, who's going to be here. Uh, he directed Arlington Road, which I thought was a great film. This is a comedy about uh, uh, a woman, Shirley MacLaine, who uh, is going to be retiring from the business um, and wants to have a young writer write her uh, uh, 
obituary, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, But as a journalist, she discovers that she hasn't been the most popular person. So instead of, uh, after she reads what she wrote, she is not happy with it. So she decides to, like, craft it her own way. Yeah. Um, And then takes the young girl along for quite a journey. (laughs) What's it called? It's called The Last Word. Um. Trailers out already. Um, yeah, I saw a yeah. trailer at some movie I saw. Yeah. I and then Closing Night is Zookeeper's Wife, which is Jessica Chastain, um, Daniel Bruhl from Captain America, Civil, Civil War. Civil War. Um, Baron Zemo, for the, no, just Zemo, because they, they took the, the Baron, oh, okay. the I Baron title away from him for the movie. But um, So they're, they're the leads, and um, that's directed by Nikki Caro, who uh, did Whale, uh, Whale Rider. Whale Rider, yeah. Um, and uh, so she's uh, uh, actually... Uh, done a few films uh oil writer uh mcfarland usa and she's been nominated for quite a few awards so and so she's uh this is her film and it's uh this is from a best-selling book too and i'm drawing a blank on the author's name right now um diane ackerman thank you very much because i have your sheet in front of me. <laughs> you have my sheet I, I gave you my sheet oh i'm sorry i thought you had an extra when no no I, no, no no go for it okay because you can remind me of things that i forgot <laughs> Because um, you're supposed to know this, man. It's got to be like on the tip of your tongue. Well, no, I, I know all that on that sheet. That's the one name that was like like eluding my brain right now. Um, but yeah, so and and that of course is uh, both of those films will be coming out in theaters as in a general release. But we are showing them with the filmmakers and everything. So. Well, I, I mean, I think there's a special cachet to that. You know, is I look at a fest- festival as like the place you see it first. Yeah, if you're excited about this movie, mm-hmm. it's going to be here first. And typically, you see it with the artist there too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not every film will have an artist with it because they just there's right. 250 movies. It's like not everybody can be there. But it's a great reason to come to Cinequest too because you can say, "Oh, I saw that months ago at Cinequest." Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's funny because last year I saw Eye in the Sky. I had to yeah, see it in exactly. a theater because I was unable to do the screenings. Yeah, I saw that on an airplane, and I w- I'm really sorry I missed that. So there's a, there's a thing. Your choices are always, well, yeah, let's go. Often fantastic, and then you like kick yourself that you didn't see it with Sally Field here or with... Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, so there, I mean, there's, there's there's always a lot, and that's that's what I like so much. Like 90, 90% of everything has an artist attached to it somewhere, and they're hugely here talking with the film and everything. There's that small percentage, like they're from Europe or they're from another country. And they can't, you know, can't yeah. be here and they can't afford it or something like that. But that's rare. I mean, last year, I, speaking of Eye in the Sky, that's Gavin. His first film showed here, mm-hmm. and he couldn't be here, and he won an award here, but he couldn't be here because he couldn't afford to come from South Africa. Yeah. So, and we can't afford to bring everybody in. This is impossible for a nonprofit budget. <laughs> donate, by the way. Yes. <clears throat> we there's a money. link on our site. To you do accept donate. That's right. There, there is. So you <clears throat> don't donate money. Um, so you can bring people like Gavin Hood here from South Africa. Yeah, and, and you know, people who donate get passes too. So, <laughs> all right, okay, cool. So, uh, and we've got and always the Maverick Spirit. The last couple of years have been some uh, very interesting. You know, we had Neil Gaiman, which is all over every promotional film. We notice this is all Neil Gaiman. Neil <laughs> I, I Gaiman. Noticed, I noticed that. Um, we got to find a reason for Neil Gaiman to come back. Would you show? Uh, would you show the Amazon Good Omens next year so that Neil could come and talk about it? I'm sure. I'm sure we would do anything to bring him back. <laughs> <clears throat> but seriously, the Maverick Spirit this year going to Jane Lynch. Jane Lynch from Glee and Best in Show, and like pretty much, I count Glee as a science fiction show because coming to a world where people break out into song simultaneously. That's. Uh, but that's what any musical practically. All musicals are sci-fi in my head. In your okay. head, yeah. <laughs> so that's just a, fantasy. It's or? a world where that's well, fan, sci-fi fantasy. Where it's what's a world that story sci-fi? Absolutely. Okay. 
Uh, Sound of Music? Maybe. <laughs> you watch Man in the High Castle where they be open with, with, with Adelweiss? It's on my list. It's on my Adelweiss list. Adelweiss is the theme song, and I'm like, <clears throat> I realize, wow, that's weird. This is a world where the Sound of Music is completely different musical if it exists at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and it, they play with that idea subtly. You know, it's interesting. Okay. No, it's on my list to see. I just haven't watched it yet. Yeah. I have a long list, though. So. But let's talk about Jane Lynch. Let's talk about her. What would you like to say about her? <laughs> she's funny. So let's go into, she, you know, where she she'll, where she'll fit, where she'll fit in more of the genre is uh, Wreck-It Ralph. Mm-hmm. So she, that is true. That is true. So, you know, for those who need that, you know, there, there's that, that connection. But you don't need it because she's just brilliantly funny and has been in all kinds of stuff. That, you know. Yeah, I mean, it, she, and she's one of those people who, like, you'll be watching a movie and she pops up, too. I mean, just, yeah. You, yeah. you don't know she's going to be there. Suddenly she's there. I mean... Obviously, with Christopher Guest, he you know uses a lot of the same people again yes. and again. But, but with you know things that she just suddenly there's Jane Lynch. <laughs> yeah, and she of course actually, oh. and she's also a game show host too now. So yeah, that's I right. Gonna, that's I was right. going to say she hosted Game Night. That yeah. was one of my favorite game shows. My uh, my friend Johnny from Comic Sports is one of the producers on that. Oh, so oh yeah. nice. Yeah. Well, there you go. I don't but think yeah. this is the podcast. But, she, but, but she, hey, Monsbach, shout out. But okay. she'll be she'll be here on uh, March 11th um, at 4:15. PM at the California Theater. An interesting time, four fifteen. I assume that's it, a Saturday. It is okay. And and four fifteen, you know, it's very very specific. I know it's five minutes before four twenty. It's very specific. I'll let you figure out why it's four fifteen. I don't know. Anyway, don't I, I don't know either. It just happened to be the way the time worked out that way. <laughs> that's that was the perfect time. Okay, because we have another film that night after it at seven PM with Walter Hill. So, oh, which is a genre film. That's right. I heard Walter Hill was coming. Everybody was going, ooh, Walter, there's Walter, Walter Hill, Hill film. Walter Hill is going to be I it. think it was Rich von Busek. It was like looking to the program in front of me and going, oh, there's a Walter Hill film. So, yeah. What, what? He will be here. Um, and that is a real strange Mindbender film um, about a... The sequel uh, to Streets of Fire? No. Oh, dang. Uh, that's a musical. Mm. <laughs> it is, but it's totally a sci-fi it's one. Also, it also has sci-fi. But um, no, it's um, Michelle Rodriguez plays a uh, hit man who um, kills a person, and Sigourney Weaver is a cosmetic doctor who is the is the sister of the man she killed, he killed, and decides to kidnap the killer and reassign her gen- his gender. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> okay. Called? I gotta check my calendar Reass- to see if I'm well, here it's for it's actually, it's actually, it's called reassignment, but it looks like they might be crafting it to just be the assignment. The assignment, okay. yeah, but but it's but AKA reassignment, so it's it's at the top of that list there. Okay, okay, very good. Uh-huh. Um, it starts so, with a parenthesis. It does. It starts with a parenthesis. Which puts it at the beginning of the but but but, but 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 since the uh, that the parenthesis is too hard to pronounce. The, the titles that I've seen recently from the company have looked like they may have changed the IMDb and everything else to just the assignment. So that's a better that's a better title. It's yeah. a yeah. You know, anyway. Anyway, so yeah, that's what that's what it's about. It's a real mind bender film. It's it's crazy. I'm telling you, it's really crazy. Okay, <laughs> I'm down. What else would you say a listener to Fanboy Planet uh, would be interested in? Well, you you mentioned aliens earlier, and we actually have a film called Imitation Girl, which is um, about a alien who lands on. It's a world premiere. It's an alien lands on the planet, takes the form of the first thing it sees, which is a. a uh, uh, on the cover of a magazine, a uh, porn actress, oh. and so now there are two different individuals who are the same 
look and feel they're different beings, of course, but they their lives somehow come together. Okay. And it becomes a little creepy and at times a little dark. And I don't want to say too much about it because there's some nice surprises in it. But it's got some nice comedic elements, too. And it's a, it has awkward moments in the sense of, like, the character learning mm-hmm. how to adjust. Uh, but then when they meet, it becomes something wholly different, too. So, I think that was also the plot of Critters, too. <clears throat> I didn't see Critters, too. I'm sorry. It might have been just Critters. Actually, I haven't seen Critters at all. <laughs> oh, Terrence Mann comes to Earth and becomes a centerfold. And, like, or no, no, he's the other one. But there's a... There's a centerfold bounty hunter who, like, has to put the, the staples out. But that was about little tiny critters that were eating everything. So this is totally, you know. This, this is, is totally different. A yeah. different take. Probably a little, a lot artier and probably a lot more intelligent than critters was. You, you never know. I don't know. I'm not telling you too much about it. But, no, no. Um, but uh, we have a, a Hungarian thriller called Loop, which is um, about a man and a woman who are, who are caught in a time loop. Um and he's the main person, and, he, and you follow him mostly. Um, but he, his whole mission is to try to, like a la Groundhog Day, try to change mm-hmm. the events to so that way he can get out of the loop. Um, and what that entails is um, saving her life. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the really interesting part I think is that he keeps on running into himself and it, it is it himself himself is the one who's foiling all all the other things he's doing so there's like different versions of him all the way throughout it interesting I thought it was really really well done how they do that so it's 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 a time loop but at the same time it's just that he shifts back and runs into all of himself along the way <laughs> it's really interesting I liked it a lot yeah no and that's another thing that I think is interesting about going to a film festival is that's the kind of movie that I would probably see like a trailer for online and go yeah. this seems like a real mind bender and then you say like are we ever going to get a chance to see it here yeah. or you know you have to remember you wanted to see that mm-hmm. um, and, then, and that's what I love about coming to CineQuest and any you know well that's well, that's the thing about a film like this it's Hungarian which yeah. means a subtitle, which means it already has a challenge getting distribution in the U.S. Right, and that's what I mean. It's, this yeah. is a chance to see some really cool, yeah, thought and pieces it, and from it's outside. So the so well done, and yeah, this may be the only chance you get because of the fact that you don't know if a distributor will pick it up or not. Um, and that's and we're showing the North American premiere of it, um, so the filmmaker probably will be here. I don't, I haven't heard yet or not because I don't, I don't uh, follow that particular side of things, but. Um, but I do know that it's North American Bear, so it's probably a good chance that he'll be here. Yeah. Um, for those those fans of Twilight Zone, Prodigy is a, a really good one to keep an eye out for. It's, it seems very much like one of those old Twilight Zone episodes. It's a full feature length film, mm-hmm. but it's uh, about a um, behavior scientist who is in a room with a young girl with psychic powers, and she's pretty dark and grim and at what you think is evil but things of course happen along the way mm-hmm. where you you understand a little bit more but it's it's another mind twisting thing like the twilight zones it's like how are they going to do this mm-hmm. and, and it it's shot in black and white like the old twilight zones everything and it's it, it all takes place in with the exception of two scenes in that one room with other people on the side of the other side of the glass window who are like mm-hmm. recording everything and that's it's it's all just that yeah. That battle of okay. wits, basically. 
And of course, there'll always be the shorts program that I know you don't necessarily do the programming. That's uh, right. that's Chris Garcia. Um, His name always comes up. It does. Well, I have to, you know, shout out. Uh, you know, uh, contract. Because he recently told me, actually, at the Cinequest <clears throat> launch, uh, media launch last week, he goes, you know, I've been listening to podcasts. Like, I went back and found the first one I was ever in. And I'm like, I, so Chris, it's like, yeah, I'm listening to my old one. <laughs> but, uh, just because I, I, I always tease him, but, you know, he does those programming. And there's the Mindbenders program of shorts mm-hmm. that are sci-fi, fantasy, horror, yeah. kind of just things that really challenge. And that's another genre, if you call short films a genre. It's another area where people don't really... Yeah, well, often they, explore. They put that in the mind benders, is what yeah. it's called. Yeah. Um, yeah. And his name I've used for the other films. It's a real mind bender, real mind bender. It's like, but there's actually a program called Mind Benders. There's actually a program called Mind Benders, too. And, it's, and of course, the animation, too, is always filled with a lot of stuff like that, right. too. Yeah. And uh, some of comedy. Some of comedy has that. Because last year, sometimes, yeah, I, I haven't seen them, so I'm not sure. But yeah, yeah but I know yeah. that Mind Benders and, and uh, animation certainly, those two shorts programs. You've got three, though, that I don't, I don't <clears throat> quite recognize the genre or whatever you're going for. There's. Tr- um, Oh, the first the highest three. peak. Yeah, which um, they they themed that. I again, I haven't seen those particular films, so I can't can't really give you the full like. Uh, say, I, I'd have to read the write up on them to like see, but they okay. they theme them in such a way where it's like they're they're more like general stories. Um, so we get two thousand submissions for short films. We have to like have some that can't be themed exactly like. So a, you, you look at the pile and you say, "I can pick <clears throat> out these three themes," and then you yeah, go. yeah, okay. Um, and then and then the others are more like a general thing. So I, I think that's probably I, I I'm sure they themed them based on like a similar common thing throughout uh, journey throughout them, but I'm not really sure. The one that I was intrigued by was <clears throat> ch- ch- changes. Yeah, that seems to uh, the reason they picked that. I, I believe that's because uh, a lot of it had to do with people transitioning from parts of their life uh, to something else. I think that's why. Um, when I read the write-up for it, it sounded like that was the case. <clears throat> so you don't have to sing that title. It's not changes. I think you get points if you don't have to sing it. You can just say but it. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. We've used under the 15 seconds, so we don't owe, owe ASCAP any money um, for doing that. But <laughs> but we've said it several times, so did we really? <laughs> no, it's just a lyric there. Uh, it, was, <clears throat> it was prosaic. Um so, you know, I, I, I've just been reading some criticism about uh, Sundance, uh, but I think it, but the criticism of the flip side is a selling point is because I want to highlight successes from the past, not just films that already have um, distribution, like obviously you said our opening, the opening yeah. and, and the closing, but the success stories of movies that have picked up, been picked up since, and Cinequest is a thing, that, that Long-winded to say that was the criticism of Sundance, where you you know it, it has become where it's for people the studios are just descending to see what what can they pick up you know and it's, it doesn't have that outsider indie feel and I don't know that most people like coming here uh, want that outsider indie feel they want to they want to be as we said like you know oh I saw it first at Cinequest right and there are successes to me like although I think it had already had it at distribution last year the Phoenix incident really cool sci-fi film. Yeah, it, it did. It did. Yeah. But previously, uh, the house on Pine Street. We mentioned Correct. the Keeling brothers, who uh, yeah. I don't know what else they've got in the pipeline. I really need to circle back around and talk to them. Um, that that the house on Pine Street got, finally got a release this last year and was a great thriller from two years ago. Yeah, yeah. And so um, you know, you want to highlight that, like, what things are the things that, or do you pick saying, I really think this deserves an audience and it deserves the attention, so that. Maybe a distribution company will come in and say, "Yeah, I." Well, we we do that. I mean, I I, I do. <clears throat> excuse me. I do look at I do look at films and say, you know, 
my my first and for, foremost uh, focus is um, that I want to just create an experience for the audience. I don't I can't think like is this going to get distribution? Is this going to get distribution? Mm-hmm. I have to think from a perspective of like what would I think an audience is want to go want to go see. Mm-hmm. Um, and House of Pine Street was an easy call back then because like yeah, I mean it's it was so well done, crafted, and you, and you cross your fingers that it's still available because you know like. From submission to the yeah, festival, sometimes right, right. things happen. You just never know. Um, and so, and it was, and it, and, it, and we world premiered it, and it's gone off to do some really great things. They get they get a lot of like press for themselves still over the film. Um, but by the way, just go back to the Fanboy Planet, the Psycho House Gingerbread House that they built in December yeah. was amazing. I know. It's just it's it. They're. I think that once once they got their articles about the. Uh, the shining one. Yeah, the I think. Overlook, I think. Yeah. I think it became like this thing. Oh, we're gonna do top ourselves again and keep on topping ourselves. So oh. I don't know how they're gonna do it because there's only so many. Iconic... I just want them to. Get, I just want to make another movie. Is what yeah. I, <laughs> I want to see. I want to see somebody. Pick well, I'm, up. I'm sure. I'm sure that they have something in the pipeline. I just don't know what yeah. it would be, and I yeah. haven't talked about it either. Um, but you know, like you know, taking another film for example from the past, Sparks. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you must, <laughs> I have to because you're in the room. And if I, I really wasn't thinking in those terms. If but, I if I if I don't bring it up, no, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, still available at your local Walmart. Um, <laughs> that is true. Yeah, but yeah, I mean that premiered here too, and it didn't, yeah. have, it didn't have distribution at the time, and it and it and it and it did get distribution as a result. Yes, yeah. it, it, it was uh, very big in Dubai. Big in Dubai. No, I, I'm, I that's a, that's a, that sounds that sounds like an old '80s album. Big in Dubai. Yeah. Big yeah. Dubai. Uh, no, it did get distributed. I mean, but there's, and that's interesting. You know, again, Sparks was one of those kind of superhero movies a little bit ahead of the curve in its concept. Yeah. I think that Cinequest took a, you know, took a risk on in the, in, in many yeah. ways. Um, well, when I, when I program stuff, I mean, we, we also think, you know, I don't think what's, what is, what is a Mike festival? I think what's a festival that's going to, have a lot of different interests for a lot of different people and and try to find quality works that fit the interest of our community mm-hmm. um and people who go to the festival so you know I, I i definitely come up with a blend of things like you know get the really high art european films with some really fun films you know romantic comedies at the same time trying to like build out these genre films we're talking about and then just really hard-hitting documentaries so there's a mm-hmm. lot of, there's a lot of different things we do when we're considering that because um, I've definitely shown stuff in the past that are not my thing. Yeah. Because I, I, not everything could be your thing. And, mm-hmm. and I don't want to program a film festival that's all my thing. Because if, if so, people would be depressed as hell. <laughs> it would just be CQ Mike and his <laughs> festival. Yeah. It, um, would be, it would be a lot of blue velvet. Strangely, I'm down with that, and that's you why you and film. I are friends. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. No, I, no, I, and I actually, walk around with no. A lot it's of just it's is. just Bobby Vinton singing over <laughs> and over. But you know, speaking of hard hitting documentaries, I want to call out because I just watched it. Rick reviewed it last year. Uh, one that I think is more and more important, important. Yeah. is the brainwashing of my dad. Yeah. And you on this podcast last year said you really need to watch this. And I was like. Yeah, I'll get to it. And I had the link, and then finally, uh, it was on Amazon Prime. And you know, I, I probably shouldn't even re- recommend things to you anymore. I should probably just say, "Oh, f- just go for yourself," and then you'll actually discover them rather than no, no, no. It's, 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 avoid it's, them. it's strictly a time, and then the window passes, right? You know, because the sad thing for me is a lot of, and every year I say, "I'm going to change that next year." Cinequest seems to happen at a time when it's very hard for me to actually be in town, or you know, it's it, it that I don't have the time to attend as much of it as I want to. 
but what I catch is always great. And then it's like, can I catch up later? Yeah. And then I, when I realized, oh man, this was at CineQuest, back to that idea, yeah. the brainwashing of my dad. I had been recommending to people like crazy in the last few weeks because yeah. here, oh, I've been here it is. Every, every couple of weeks I make a reference to it at some yeah, point. Yeah, here it is. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's the thing. It, you're right. It's not just it's not just blue velvet all the time uh, or the, the mind benders or the, the really quirky things. And love is all you need. Yeah, that's yeah. another one that's, oh, yeah. Um, there, there'll be there'll be stuff like that in this year in this year's program for sure, and we'll be referencing it next year. Yeah, yeah, and I'm going. Ah, I should have watched what, that then. One thing to read up on is what happened in Vegas. It's okay. a documentary uh, that we're premiering um, about uh, some corruption of some individuals in the Las Vegas Police Department. Mm. Um, oh, interesting. And um, a little documentary bit, uh, or documentary, yeah, um, and a little bit about some um, underhanded dealings that happen through the individuals as well as um building out to a greater uh message about like what's happening in overall nation mm-hmm. um with uh police and everything else so basically the pirates from treasure island are taking over is that uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah do they even do that attraction anymore no they i have no idea yeah. I, 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 think know, they, I think they've they, stopped doing that no, rick it, got me to <clears throat> vegas and but we were at was it henderson is that the actual we we, you know and i stayed there we never got oh, to, okay well we never you, got up you to went, the top top of the street the treasure island turned into ti and then they had the sirens of ti where they what they, they turned it into a a uh a buff guys and cute girls on two different ships fighting, and then they stopped altogether. All but right, it, it was a long ways from the Imperial British Navy and the pirates uh, fighting wow. out in the lagoon. That's that's fascinating. Well, you can still find that in uh, is it Canoga Park, Buena Park, uh, Buena, Vista, uh, Buena Park by uh, Knott's Berry Farm. There's still the pirates themed restaurant. Yes, where you can see a musical pirate fantasia. And enjoy a squab, you know, and, and that's what I and that's what I wait for. I know. Well, I come, you know, come down. We shall, <laughs> we shall take a road trip. Um, so uh, you talk about the community, and the community has expanded. So it's a, one last big thing is the, uh, that uh, in the last year, downtown San Jose lost camera twelve. Yes. Um, so there, I, I don't. I won't say there was a scramble. I don't know, um, but definitely this feels very. Um, and downtown San Jose is not that big, so when I say spread out in downtown San Jose, it's just a few more venues that weren't there before. I love that you are teaming with San Jose State, which was kind of unavoidable with the Hammer Theater being right. run by them right now. But because that was a loss two years ago or three years ago when the Hammer three, yeah. three when the Hammer closed <clears> down, <throat> and then oh good, Cinequest got back because I love that as a venue to see films, and then yeah. it was there last year. But now there's really, a, I think a an alliance, if not an out-and-out partnership with San Jose State. Yeah. Um, because some of the stuff, the VR, like, v- workshops v- will be in on, on campus, on right? On campus, yeah. And, and, of course, the VR will be around in different venues around. But one more campus. I want to say is, and then you also, and this is interesting to me, expanded up into Redwood City. Yeah. And, and, that's, and that's the thing. It's like it's, we couldn't, you know, take two venues and just shrink down again. You know, we yeah. had we had to keep on expanding, and we have more films and more everything this year. So that was that was the thing about like we had to get the right partner and the right venues to be able to do something like that. And there just you know weren't a lot of I wouldn't say a lot of options, but I mean there there were options, but they were not up to the standards. And so we went and made sure that we had a newer theater, newer. It's the Cinemark in Redwood City. Yeah. I can't remember the actual the Cinemark. Something. A downtown twenty. 
Downtown 20. Yeah. I've been there. That is a gorgeous theater, and it's a great neighborhood around. So if you want to go and have a have dinner, yeah. great restaurants. And the technology for the theater is, is way, way up. You know, it's like, it's like literally like the latest technology for all the screenings. Yeah. And it's the good kind of, it's the, the good kind of theater that, um, which I think <clears throat> the hammer to some extent definitely has a feeling is there are places to mingle and talk. Exactly. On yeah, site. Exactly. And I don't think enough theaters do that anymore. You go to an AMC and it's like, well, okay, maybe we sit in, uh, what do they call that new bar? MacGuffins. Uh, mm. the, the AMCs are, oh, you should like that. The AMCs are revamping with bars in every theater. I've only seen one of them, so I, I, I actually haven't been out to the, late, the uh, AMC for a while. So Okay. And they're not our sponsors. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but you're also going to Santana Row, which I think is a, right, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, we have a screen there too. So, and we'll, we'll be there every day at the festival, except opening night's the only one that's only downtown. Um, uh, opening night is just one screening for that first night. So the premieres, or rather the first screenings of things, are here. Not necessarily. No, not necessarily. Uh, okay. But everything except for a handful of films show in downtown at some point. Uh, but there was no way to. Uh, do the premiere and then have it go to the other theaters and and then be able to get everything in mm-hmm. so that way it shows throughout the festival. Do you think at some point though with this expansion and a lot of people consuming at home, especially say when you got VR lounge where they have to come in and everybody puts on the headset themselves and separates, will there be more of an online component to where like a lot of I, I've seen there are shorts that for example shorts that you show that have been on YouTube before yeah you know a couple of years ago I, I twigged onto one that uh, a zombie film I can't remember the name of it we I posted on Fanboy Planet and it was suddenly there do you think that there's there's a day that this is going to be there's a streaming component that's the what do we go for a streaming component to CineQuest um, that's hard to say I mean it, it it really depends on the technology I mean and where it goes because would you create a CineQuest channel. Uh, streaming <laughs> access because I, I'm going to go back to the success story I was at Beyond Fest down in October in LA and I got uh, described to the Shudder mm-hmm. S-H-U-D-D-E-R the horror specific oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. app slash site and one, there was a CineQuest movie on there where I just, they showed it was like that was what was featured that week was Blood Punch Oh, okay. okay. And I went, hey, I've seen that. Wow, I <clears throat> felt like such an insider to go like, oh, I loved that movie. That was great. That yeah. was cool. Now, so. Yeah, I, mean, I think when you talk about stuff like that, though, it's going to be uh, where the technology goes because obviously a the setting we have as a festival, it's not just watching films, but it's also the uh, aspect of meeting and networking and talking to people. Mm-hmm. And it becomes more like that film community and that film neighborhood at the, at the same time. Um, and so we're going to have which the, I love, and I don't want. I'm not trying yeah. to, you know, say it should be something different. No, I no, love I, the community but, part. But but the technology, we can't necessarily like always stream movies into a big screen easily uh, without the proper technology. Yeah, um, we could certainly get stuff on the server, but there, where there's no technology that I know that exists where you can show a 4K movie on a on a big screen at 4K. Mm-hmm. YouTube won't do that. Uh, Vimeo won't do that. No. Um, so Netflix claim they will, but I don't have that. Not yet. until the homes the homes right. can actually do it. Uh, and we're, I mean, there's still the, the entire battle of. I the, believe Dave Tapia can. <clears throat> there's, 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 I'm sure Dave thinks so. <laughs> there's still the entire battle of like you know how how much speed do people get at home for their internet? Yeah, and that's still going on. We'll so be caught up on that, yeah, yeah. So I mean, uh, until all that's together, there's, there's no way to answer that as a question i mean we're not going to go back and show 
you know, low-grade YouTube videos. So well, the I, moral of the story is, come down here. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. I, I, come downtown. I, I don't think it's a great idea because, for me, Cinequest is not just going to see the films. It's, it's seeing all the people who are yeah. here to see the films talking about it, being able to talk to the people who are in the yeah. films or doing the films. No, no, no I understand that. No, I, I, I agree. Yeah. I'm not saying that should replace. I'm just saying, you know, I see, I get this feeling. I see so many apps and so many companies trying to push to, I mean, we know that for television, CBS, <clears> trying to, <throat> I saw an ad again today, like, someday we'll have Star Trek, so get the, uh, <laughs> you know, get the app now. So someday. Someday. Uh, there'll, be, there'll be Star Trek Discovery. But, you know, I see... And we talked at the at the end of 2016 that you know we're in this huge sea change. And again, I go back to VR. It's like until we figure out a technology where VR everybody can experience the same thing together, which I think they're trying to. Come that, up that with. They are trying to do that now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think and actually, that'll, a, be, that'll be talked about in one of the workshops. I think there's a Star Trek game coming. Star Trek Bridge is supposed to be like <clears> a <throat> simulator. It is. Um, I yeah. know I pre-ordered it. I just I think I've actually seen it being played. Yeah. There. There. there no, no. No. That's different. That yeah. that that experience where they set up all the different stations, uh-huh. that's different. There is an actual Star Trek game coming called Star Trek Bridge. Okay, yeah. And you will be a Starfleet officer, and you are, and you can so you can actually group play. Yes, in that, VR. That's yeah. what that's what. And I Battlefront did that too, isn't it? Star Wars Battlefront is a VR. That's supposed to be. There's a group play component to that. They just released that. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, that will be that will be discussed in one of the workshops. Okay, um, or forums, I should say. Um, so that will be something that is, is addressed. Cool. Um, the uh, we didn't talk about the Jason Reitman. Uh, I'm sorry, he's not on my talking points, which are yours. <laughs> oh, it's probably on the flip side. There it is. Yes, <laughs> writer celebration. The writer celebration. Since, since we brought up Neil earlier. Yes. Um, I have to go put money in my. Uh, All right. We'll we'll just sit here and talk. Um, we we'll keep but, running. But 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 Jason Reitman's going to be here for writer celebration. He's getting the Maverick Spirit Award for the writer. Um, Writer's Day because he's been mm-hmm. involved with uh, writing and directing a number of films. Uh, he didn't write Juno, but he directed that. Uh, but he's a storyteller, um, and uh, he did Up in the Air. Uh, Thank you for smoking. Yes, I've always enjoyed his films, and there's uh, this TV series he's producing, and yep. I can't remember which one it is, and but, I can't remember it either. But I watch it and laugh, and then I go, "Oh, Jason Reitman's involved in this." Yeah. Also, Ivan Reitman's son. So for those who are driving, drawing that connection, the son of the producer of Ghostbusters and Animal House. Yeah, and speaking of sons, we have a, a, a movie directed by Jason Connery here, Sean Connery's son too. Oh, cool! Called Tommy's Honor, and um, not not a genre film, but it's uh it's about. But the, wasn't uh, he Robin Hood? Sean uh, Jason Connery, I think played played oh, on that, the I don't know. Robin Hood series. I, I didn't think, know. I didn't know that. I think I. <clears throat> this is one of those moments where I know somebody's listening to this podcast, going, "No, you idiot!" <laughs> being me, basically going, "They'll, they'll, t- they'll tweet you." They, <laughs> I wish. Go ahead at Fanboy Planet. It's that simple. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. But yeah, so he directed he directed a film, and it's uh, got Sam Neill in it. And it's it's basically about the uh, the uh, fir- the guys who first really uh, first created uh, in Scotland the golf competition. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It's a really uh, more like an inspirational, uplifting film. And it has it has you know the dark edge about yeah. like, the father and son like at wits wits end with each other, but. Um, they're Scottish, so <laughs> of course, of course, they will be. All, all Scottish people are wits end with each other. So, so, so that, there's a lot, and that's just it. I want to wrap yeah. it up. Uh, Rick has come back in uh, <laughs> safe on the on the thanks, on the meter. Thanks for making it something more difficult to edit. I had so much more to talk about. Oh, I'm too. sorry. Uh, <laughs> I had so much. Uh, more don't, to... don't edit out. It's real time. It's oh, okay. like you know, just uh, there's nothing embarrassing. The Look, man was going to gonna haul away my car, so I had to go out and put in totally. That was it. And he was burly. It looked scary. It was. Uh, I was. Running, I actually couldn't see it. I was blocked by a bunch of programs. Um, 
I understand that you do, but I but I think we we've we've rambled as you, we as, you didn't do that like radio. There is a, a six foot pile of program guides in the lobby. Well, we're not radio; we're a podcast, right? But you said I'm blocked <laughs> by programs, which yeah. it's it's a, a huge. It does sound it does sound kind of ominous. I'm blocked by programs. Yes, no, I'm <clears throat> I, I, I'm in the matrix, <laughs> and it's I was talking about the code, but it's uh, glitching thing, on that me. thing is uh, six foot by twelve foot by another eight foot. I'd say. And it'll 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 shrink and dwindle yeah. over the next few weeks too. You got a time lapse camera up there in the corner. Oh, that'd be great. I'm, sh- I'm sure that you guys would have that set up for us, right? That should be what us? <laughs> no, uh, it's anyway. right there. Anyway, we thank you, Mike, for. Oh, taking I don't even time. know where that goes. It's like a camera up there. I have no idea where it, where it actually ends this up. Could be a next year's program. <laughs> All right. Yes. The other reason I'm going to cut us a little short is I know you have an interview scheduled shortly as well, and so I'm trying to give you. Oh, I don't. Somebody else does. I thought you did. No, it's somebody else. Somebody oh, else has the room. He's talked out. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, uh, we need some time to clear it out. And I understand that there's got to be a reset. It's like VR. Just say uh, you got to get back to work. I do. Anyway, no. <laughs> Just I, don't put it on me. Put it on you. I'm hungry. <laughs> That's it. I okay. am too. Okay. Uh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> well, you have lunch with coworkers. So. Edit that out. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> um, anyway. <laughs> You're an ass. Uh, anyway. So, all right. Ah, this is coming from the guy who bragged with his little Disney card earlier. Thank you, Mike, for taking the time to talk. <laughs> Thank you with us, and uh, we are looking forward to attending Cinequest and covering and and so forth. And so, yes, yeah, you'll you'll be at the festival, right? I think so. Okay, good. and for all this conversation, uh, at least once. Well, I know you missed a part of it last year, so that's what yeah, I was and I'm I am unfortunately going to have to miss a part of it as well. But uh, which part? I don't know. A Tuesday, I think. Uh, so we'll see. I don't know. I'll be here. Okay, Rick good. is always here. Uh, so. Ran ran one day Tuesday, some some Tuesday, some Tuesday. I just know that. All right, so <clears throat> thank you very much. All right, thanks. That was fun. That was that was fun. And I got to say, they've got good coffee. Uh, they had good tap water. They had good tap water. They didn't give you bottled water. No. Ah. Oh. Jessica. All right. Anyway. Uh, it was in a glass. Oh. A tech shop glass. Oh, okay. Well, I had a Cinequest mug with coffee. It was delightful. Uh, but no Tito's vodka. We saved that for no, the opening yeah, of Cinequest. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, let's get to some comics news. And uh, one thing I wanted to say up front, just it's, it's because um, I'm very much, I think, uh, <laughs> Dan rather used this word so I can too. One of the one of the things that I want to say about you know what's going on in the nation right now is we try to stay apolitical, but what really has given me hope, uh, no matter where you stand, is I think people on all sides because there's more than two. I feel like there's seventeen or something. Yeah, nineteen. It's a quartet. Uh, that people on all sides are really aware and becoming active in a way that I have not seen in in years. I was teaching for a while, so I definitely saw politically aware kids. But seeing adults being really aware and and, and donating money and 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 calling their congresspeople, it, it's a, it's amazing and it's heartening. And I say on both sides or all sides, mm-hmm. that's what we should have been doing for the last hundred years. And I don't know that we've done it for forty. You know, um, so but one thing because one of the organizations that I believe um, stands up. For all sides, you know, for free speech, front and center is the is the ACLU, American Civil Liberties Union, definitely. And uh, so I'm gonna. They're not a store I normally shop at, but I want to call out. There's a beautiful, 
beautiful David Mack print of Ms. Marvel that you can go to, uh, of, of Kamala Khan, rather, specifically, at goldenappleonline.squarespace.com. And Golden Apple is a comic book shop long way on Melrose in Hollywood. Been there for decades. Really cool store. I just don't go there. It's kind of hard to get to Hollywood. Um, you know, but, you know, even I, when I'm down there, it's hard to get to that store yeah. from where I am. Uh, but anyway, uh, $25 for this print and a portion, I don't know how many, cause I think what's happened is they did it and they're still assigning the portion because there's suddenly they have a volume they didn't think they were going to have. Yeah. Like we said, they're not making a limited edition print. No. They just, I'm sure they assumed, well, we'll make a certain amount of prints. And as we're finding with a lot of stuff with the ACLU, they're like, it's, it's a nice print. Uh, did did you look at her hands? No. I think she's doing the sign of the womb with the hands oh, in maybe. front of her, in maybe. front of her too. I'm, so there's there's it's like just a beautiful painting. It is. I it's like a very David nice painting. Art, you know, um, and so it's certainly priced easily enough for any fan to. I, you know, it's the kind of thing that'd be cool to have up on your wall framed. You yeah. know, it really. I mean, David Mack, his paintings. I mean, these are the covers for Jessica Jones, and I mm-hmm. think some of the Daredevil stuff for mm-hmm. the Bendis. Yeah, I think so. Did. It's beautiful work, and I can't remember which he was. He Kabuki or she? He's she, isn't he? Or Billy Tucci? She? I think he's Kabuki. I think you know, which is where I, I first discovered his work. Yeah. I, I just loved his work, so it's kind of a, a call out to if you want that rare thing, you know, that it's art, and you're going to actually give to a good cause. Mm-hmm. Um, there it Win-win. is. And uh, so I wanted to call that out. But uh, the other thing we're going to talk about in comics is Marvel. And I realized, yes, last week we turned off the mics and started going, hey, did you notice the Marvel's changing this for digital comics? Um, But it happened yesterday. It was when it went in. They'd announced it a few weeks ago and nobody quite knew what it meant. Marvel has changed its digital game. Now, it used to be for I don't know how many years have they been doing that Marvel digital. At least three or four. That when you buy a Marvel comic – in the back of the comic would be, or, or in a page in the comic, there would be a little uh, tab that you would lift up, and there would be the code, so you could go on to marvel.com, and you could download a Slash digital version. redeem. Redeem. I love that. I, I got redeemed every week. Uh, I never did it. Uh, and you could get a digital copy of the book that you had just purchased. It went into your cloud account for Marvel, mm-hmm. and you could download it to your... You could. You, I don't think you could download it to your computer. You could download it to your phone or tablet um, for viewing offline, and mm-hmm. they didn't really have a good online viewing. And I the thing it, is, and it no. was good for a year. So you know, it expired. Oh, the, you could the, download the, it, it would expire after a year. So, like right? on the secondary market, if you bought, like if you bought it in a back, it, you know, it was a back issue. The code could be redeemed for a year, yes. but you were supposed to be able to keep the comic. No, for, no I understand you're right. I, yeah. I phrased that poorly. It yeah. was yes, you could re- you had a year to redeem the comic for uh, right. the code from the release date. I actually think it may have been two. I'm not no, sure. No, it was a year. Was, I did, okay. That I that I recall. Okay, but even though I never took advantage of it, um, I figure MCU wait six months. Uh, but they changed. So tell us, Rick. So they. What I had read about it was there were a number of people who were speculating that Marvel had done this because there was this gray market where people were selling their codes. So they buy their comic, sell their codes, and that would just pay for part of having bought the comic versus keeping it keeping it all for yourself and having the digital copy that you could have on your iPad, which is what I did. I had mm-hmm. a number of books that I just read through the digital even though I bought the book because it was no part of my collection. No one is impugning you. 
So this I'm week, perspiration though, you look guilty. This week, what you have instead, it's still this the the front of the book says bonus digital content. I wish I had meant to get a book. Let's see, it used to say bonus digital edition on on the front. Interesting. So the digital edition was of the book you just bought. Now it says digital content. And what they have in here is um, in every book you buy, it will have the same page with a peel-off sticker and a code underneath. Now, I haven't peeled off more than one sticker. I, I went ahead and redeemed the codes out of mm-hmm. one of my books. And so this month, and I'm assuming I'm assuming this is going to change every week, but who knows? It may stay the same three per month, items yeah. for a month. Um, but this this initial offering is Civil War Two HC, which they call, and we'll get back to this, which typically HC means hardcover, hard right? In a digital, and then it's Captain Marvel Volume Two Two Civil War Two TPB trade, trade paperback. paperback. Okay, and then the last one is Wolverine Old Man Logan TPB. Now. When I redeemed the code, I had already bought all of the Civil War II books. Mm-hmm. And I think that because they were already in my collection, that book didn't show up. That didn't get – I didn't oh, get two copies put okay. up. But the Captain Marvel book and the Old Man Logan books are just the first book in Which those it series. Say, it it does says – Redeem the code for on this page free for digital copies of the first issues in, and then it talks about trade paperbacks, the first right. issues in trade paperbacks. Instead of saying the issue, and it's it's just weird. No, I because but Logan, I, but, but the Rick, first I'm issue say, was I, sixteen. I interpreted it exactly okay. that way, but I agree. But with somebody you, who didn't read it that they're thinking you're getting it, a whole don't, trade don't, paperback. Don't call it a trade paperback. First right. of all, that is weird to say digitally because it's not. And why HC versus TPB? Because it's not in hardcover. Uh, it's not in trade. Not in it's trade not in paperback. paperback yet. So what they're hoping is that you'll this go is a way that you'll go and you'll go pick up the book, the hard uh, the hard cover. copy of the right. book. And so now that I see that, I I understand your frustration. Yeah, I understand. I have not been someone. Who has utilized those codes in any way? Um, and I'm not. There's no moral superiority to that. It's just like that's just not what. what yeah, I'm you not. just don't do it. Um, there's been and and we have talked about this. There's a lot of difficulty in how are you supporting retailers? Mm-hmm. And as good as as great as it is, honestly, that you can walk into a Barnes Noble and find books, uh, find tr- graphic novels. Barnes and Noble is poorly curated. And there's no way around that. You know, when you go, yeah. And I'm sorry if anybody goes, "Wow, well, mine is great." It's like I can't figure out the alphabetical order. Which one do you go to? One on Stevens Creek. Um, if I go to one here, I go to the one in Almaden Valley. Oh, really? Okay. Because it's often like it's the way the one on Almaden Expressway. Almaden Expressway, but I think it's technically the beginning, the the mouth of Almaden Valley. Right, right, right. So, um, because it's on the way to go visit my kids, gotcha. or you know, so, so forth. Um, down in Los Angeles, I tend to go to the one on Ventura Boulevard in Studio City, uh-huh. which was an old movie theater, which they converted to a bookstore. Oh, so it's kind of nice. cool. Um, and that one's better, but and I've gone to Stevens Creek too, but it's like there's just – there's not enough staff to keep tabs on because that store is so massive. 
I mean, you go into any right. section, somebody, right. you know. Like well, a, you expect those areas to be curated by the buyer for that for that branch. Yeah. You know? yeah, but the buyer for that branch is like, how often is that buyer there? You know, I mean, yeah. and, but when I say curated, I guess it's the wrong word. It's like the order is bad. Like it's hard. They might have something, but oh, it's, it's hard, hard to, to find. find it. Okay, gotcha. You know? And so that's, that, that's my issue there. Whereas a comic book store, it's easier to say, look, you know, everything's here. Here's right. our trade paperback right. section. Here's our, you know, here's our book section. Here's our comic section. This is this week's, and you rotate through into the back stock. They don't do that with it with right. Barnes and Noble. So, um, you know, there's a big issue with retailers and trying to get get people into the comic book ha- buying habit again. And you know, that's the, and that to me makes more sense. I can understand the frustration. No, but it, it just seems to me if that is what they're trying to do, then they are not buying into the idea that people want to read these digitally. They're just using it as a here. This is free. Read it and then go buy the hardcover. Right. Instead of what is more likely now is maybe the is Marvel on Comicsology. I don't think they are. I think they're still you well, have to download everything. DC is. Yeah, it's the, it's one reader that's just rebranded. Okay, I because I I, 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 yeah. I don't use Comicsology very often. I, they are because I just yeah. they just offered the first Immortal Iron Fist trade paperback, which is still funny to be digitally. They say the right. first you know the first trade paperback on Comicsology. So I did download that because that was for free. So that's in my uh-huh. library, uh, and I and I bought many Comicsology books when I first got the app and was like, oh, this is exciting. Yeah, you know, and you know. um, <laughs> well, I I forget I have it. Right, you know, and and so, but it was but it was been great for things like the. Uh, comic-con pro fan trivia contest like you know boning up on stuff it's like well if you can't find the trade paperback at the shop i can download it onto my phone but it's just right. harder, harder to read that right um so i i see your frustration i see their point yeah oh i see their point but at the same time this is this is again another flavor of the digital media delivery system which where you really don't own anything anymore and so in this case they changed up a, a sales pattern that I I had bought into and was using on a regular basis, mm-hmm. and I won't be doing that anymore. So it's not like they took away my old books. They still could. The whole thing could go away, and I would have nothing as far as those mm-hmm. books. But they took away a a pattern of my buying. And right now I'm considering, you know, do I want uh, – there were some books that I just read exclusively on my iPad when I was traveling or whatever. It was easier mm-hmm. just to have the iPad. I may stop buying those books in – I may stop buying those books entirely. Or stop traveling. Or – no. Um, or just uh, just buy them digitally instead. So I don't know. We'll see. Well, and that's true too. You know, that might hurt the retailers. I don't know. Yeah. We we briefly, again, after the call last night um, – I'm looking at a book. I think – was that this week or last week? Uh, this the, one? Yeah. The, the Warren I Ellis got one. it this week. Okay. I'm not sure. I can't remember if it's in my stack this week or not. Um, anyway, that uh, – or I may be waiting on Marvel. I may just decide I'm going to wait on Marvel Comics, Comics Unlimited. Well, that doesn't mean it's this week or last week. Um, but uh, we talked about uh, out there. It's like you know, Ross Ritchie went on uh, on Facebook and said, help the retailers, retailers out. Buy a trade paperback. You you know, that you use something. Go in, buy something a little extra. Give them a help. And everybody – and I, you know, I stress. I re- I really like Ross, and I say that because I, I have known him. We're not f- we're not friends like buds or anything. We have many actual mutual friends. Uh, he was actually really supportive and gave me a lot of advice. I, he may not remember it uh, when I wrote Tony Loco, and mm-hmm. that's when I first met him at WonderCon. 
And then we've uh, we've had a couple of conversations with him, and he's invited me to the offices and so forth. So, you know, I think he's a great guy. But uh, and here's what everybody's got a big butt. What's yours, Simone? Uh, Pee Wee Herman, Pee Wee Big Adventure quote. Uh, that uh, here's my big butt, uh, which is. After all this, he's lauding helping the retailers, and then a week later, Comixology announces there's an Adventure Time digital only yes. uh, Marceline the Vampire Queen book, and uh, you know, I just go, I don't know because. But one of the points you know we say is like well, you don't own anything, but I look around the Brett Cave, which is impressive as hell. But how long have you lived in this house? A while. Yeah. So long, he can't. Rick can't count the years anymore. That's you know, you know, you know. But I'm saying, it's a haze. if you had to move, oh yeah, this would be a pain in the butt. And so that concept of owning the physical, and they say this, you know, it's like when you go to millennials. I'm sorry, I hate to use the generational stuff, but there it is. They go, millennials don't like to own things now. Partially maybe because millennials believe they can't buy a house, and they don't, you know. Right. So it, it, it's like they're, they're nomads. You need a place to keep your stuff in order to have stuff, right? Uh, or or vice memory versa. Memory stick. You know, a memory stick's a lot lighter. Yeah. You know, I mean, and so that's it. The digital not owning a physical copy of something. I buy it's a lot. I buy a lot more uh, ebooks now than I used but, to. And people, and this is about in publishing is like you know the the concept of book ownership used to be look when they were harder to find or they were a little more expensive. It was like there was a time. Now I still I don't I, judge isn't the right word. When I go into someone's home, I enjoy looking at their bookshelves and seeing what kind of stuff they're reading. Right. I make a call. I, you know, I, I make an interpretation of their tastes based on bookshelves. But there are a lot of people that don't do that, and it, it, and, you know, so it used to be that having a book, a, a collection, uh, a book, a book collection, or right. even a library was a thing of like that was your status. That was you know it was a uh, it was a cool thing, or it's a way of displaying. I like this kind of of literature, and it's just not true anymore. And when paperbacks and you could get them at drugstores, <coughs> do they have a thing called drugstores anymore? You know, grocery yeah. stores. Yeah. Uh, well, I just get because Bill's Drugs is gone and Rexall seems to be gone and CBS. all the things of my youth. You know? Yeah, and you sort of see trade paper. You see paperbacks there yeah. still. I just don't I don't look there anymore. Right, right. But those things now, now I look at, like, I've got these boxes and boxes of books. It's like having to make that decision of, I'm never going to read them. And you go to a used bookstore and you say, how much can I get for this? You can have, like, Three boxes and get three bucks. Yeah, and then it feels like. Oh, we do that. Why do I? Why did I have that? You know, yeah. um, I have. Please don't be upset with me. I've recycled books. I've learned to do that. It's like nobody's going to read you know this mystery novel again because I bought it, but it was kind of obscure, and it and it was kind of you know it's just a, a pulpy kind of thing. And we always the books that they won't take at the recycle bookstore. We take down to the library. And I do that. I, I do that. Friends of the library, but uh, and that's fine. But I've seen you know. Like, please, there there are libraries where their friends' the library book sale is completely consists entirely of all four volumes of Twilight. Because uh, they, it's true, several several times yeah, over, I've gone in and like gone. I wonder what they have. Oh, a lot of Twilight, a lot of Twilight. Uh, so, you know, I mean, that's a shift. Is is I don't know. Maybe digital is the big thing, and then and then what does ownership mean? You've read it; it's fine, and then. 
You know, so I don't know. I, I this is one I invite. Hey, let's get debate going. You know, yeah. on the podcast page or on Facebook. I should and then or email. Tell me what you think. What do you do with your collection? Lon Lopez called me a couple weeks ago, says uh, right around Christmas, and said uh, I was wondering if Luke wants comics because I just got a bunch of early '90s Marvels, and I thought it was a gracious offer. Said maybe he wants to start his comic collection. I thought. Who wants to start a comic collection now? I mean, it wasn't to get online. It was great because, like, here I am. I've got boxes and boxes. Right, it's right. Like, Luke doesn't need those. You know, he, and one, I think, too, is a lot of people that don't – a lot of kids, they don't want to read the early 90s stuff because there's right. too much cool stuff going on now. That's yeah, what they want to There's way know. too much. There's way too you much know, now to um, it, it was and, – and it's not a cut. It's like this, that was a really gracious offer, and I was like, that'd be cool. But then, who would end up having to store them? I don't know what to do with the books I've got. I've got right, now. I, right. you know, I'm not going to hand them three bo- long boxes. Oh no, yeah. You know, so I mean, but for Luke, all that Luke matter, cares about is he read it, mm-hmm. and then it's out of sight, out of mind. Right. You know, so we were that way. I was that way when I was a kid too, though. You know, I I read my friends' comics, and I didn't have yeah, to have my own copy. But, but there you go. I mean, yeah. all the comics you have now, how many of these do you go back and read? Not not many. No, I mean, because your ability to make the time right. to read, because there's always new stuff. It's yeah. like, uh, you know, uh, yeah, the days when you could read something over, and like, you know, yeah, my, oh, yeah. my kids both have read the way that I used to, you know, just consume and read like it over and over and over. 10 through 24 of Conan the Barbarian, I read like over. That was Bernie Wrightson's. Or I, I would read My Legion of Superheroes over and over, you know, and that's. Yeah, and Spider-Man's. I mean, oh, yeah. they were great. They were fun, and you would read them obsessively like five, six times. Occasionally, Luke will go back and, you know, especially when it's a trade paperback, he'll pick something up again. Yeah. And there there it is. If it's a trade paperback, I'm ready to just recycle a bunch of my comics because I'm like, who, yeah. who's going to pick that up? Yep. So, anyway, let's play What's in the Bag. Why do we, we always should. say play? Why do, why, let's just talk about what are the high points of the week. Let's here look in our bags. Let's look in our bags. You want me to go first? I usually do. I know. Okay, so we'll start off with the book that I think has been a little late in coming. Um, a little? Yeah. <laughs> That's issue six of <laughs> Karnak, um, which has been an interesting read. Did you keep up on this? Uh, I've read through four uh, issue four. Yeah. I probably had five, and I'm pretty sure I have six. But it's been so long. It's one of those that it's like I don't remember because it had been so many months Delayed it in the meantime. <laughs> Warren Ellis has signed a contract with DC, and he's curating Wildstorm. Because we we learn this, is, you know, Warren Ellis gives us a view of Karnak that we didn't necessarily know. At least I don't think we knew before this that Karnak had not done the Terrigen Mist. I thought that was I've never heard that yeah, before. And that he just his ability to find the weakness in things is trained. Is just his ability that it's not a. I'm going to call um, foul. I'm yeah. going to call shenanigans on Ellis. And and say that's a huge retcon. It was a cool revelation. Right. Don't get me wrong. But it's because originally Karnak was drawn with a huge like kid head. psycho with this huge kind Although of we're not really sure that he was always wearing something on top of it. It might have just been old foam padding. But just the style the kids were to wearing. Claim like he was they uh, were wearing yeah. The, yeah. Maybe. But in in any case Then damn it, I'm an adult in the twenty first century and I want a detailed explanation as to why his head was so big. You too can look like a like a vitamin pill. Um Karnak in this uh, in this series has been working for Shield. Um kind of a 
if and then if and then touch and go relationship with Shield on cases that he wanted to do. This is going to make a great trade paperback. Maybe I was not happy with the way this thing ended because all through this I was kind of they were making him kind of dickish, and that's a Warren Ellis trait. And then at the end, in, in this issue, he's been he was tremendously dickish. And then they try and make him tragic. And I didn't buy, the, didn't buy the flip. I didn't buy the flip. Not I don't think you go that that way. Maybe you do if you're really terribly disturbed and there's different types of uh there are different types well, of let's problems. Get Debbie here. We're gonna have a, an intervention <laughs> that can explain to you what you've been missing. Um so um, Mike Rabel, come on in. You were here earlier. Karnak uh, uh, it is an interesting book. And I don't think you have to have. Um, I don't think you have to have my perfect ending. For, I was. I, I was kidding. You didn't have to come over, Debbie. It was. Uh, yeah, I don't think I've ever read Carnet. No, no. no. Um, um, so I wouldn't say don't buy the trade, but I, I don't but think you it was. Know what? I think Warren Ellis's work is challenging. Like if you've ever read his novels, yeah. Uh, which, if you've read his comics and thought, "Man, this guy is weird." And it kind of made you uncomfortable. Don't read his novels. They're great, but they're very uncomfortable. I w- we'll talk about this out- off the air. Because if you've ever felt that Warren Ellis was holding something back, he was. And Car- you don't Karnak know. does two things in this book that are just not heroic. But I don't want to know yet because yeah. I will read it. Okay. You know, I, like I said, I think I have it in a stack. Okay. Uh, and if not, I'll catch up with it on Marvel Comics Unlimited because I am enjoying it because it's such a different take on a character that I thought I knew. Yeah, I, I didn't. I enjoyed the first five issues, and I enjoyed most of this as he was going okay, through so it. But it was just there was some stuff so that happened right. at the end that I just went, uh, okay. "Why did you do that?" All right. See, you've got an advantage on me this week that you actually read the books, um, and some of these things are are not usually it's first issues. But I'm going to say this is more notable to me. Um, I think we did talk about it with the preview. When that, I saw issue two, I went back looking for number that one as DC well. DC came out with the fall and rise of Captain Adam. One of the things that I really think is interesting about Rebirth is, like those Justice League one shots, that they have been uh, that were the last four right, weeks. Right. That they were characters that hadn't necessarily well, a couple had been in the DC universe in the New Fifty Two. I think there was an attempt at Captain Adam. But Rebirth is trying to um, kind of say, forget that. This is more in line with what you knew. And I liked the Captain Adam book when it came out in the 80s when, when DC right. first got the Charlton right. Heroes. It was more like the Charlton version. And that was written by Carrie Bates. Mm-hmm. And Carrie Bates is writing The Fall and Rise with Greg Weissman, who's the creator of Gargoyles. Yeah. Um, so, I wonder if this book came out. I wonder if they shorted issue one. On stores and it could be because I don't think there's been a lot of I didn't see I don't it think on the shelf publicity for this. This more felt yeah. like we've got to do this. Uh, like I can't remember they attempted to do a, a take on Captain Adam that wasn't called Captain Adam at all. Um, it was a really weird, twisted book. I thought that didn't they do one in the fir- initial he, New Fifty Two? They did in the New Fifty Two, but before yeah. that there was this other one. And I can't remember what he was called. Called and he was tall and skinny and white and you could see part of his like musculature underneath and had a different name and then I was uh, for the character kind of a Doc Solar take on it yeah and then when I was reading it I was like going this is Captain Adams and now DC's admitted yeah we tried that that's what it really was that was we were going to revamp him in this way Um, so the covers of this at least look like the Captain Adam that I remembered and loved so 
Uh, it's a issue two came out. I totally missed the first issue. Um, but it came out this week and I went and, you know, the advantage of having a regular comic shop with a point of uh, a POC is you get to go, um, a POS point of sale is I get to say, did I buy the first yeah. issue? And Can you look forget? it up for me? And they look it up and they go, uh, no. And I said, fantastic. Then add this to my stack, my good man. Yes. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Uh, you remind me of something on the back cover of that? Uh, no, the other one. <laughs> Uh, that uh, powerless uh, starts, starts tonight, so we have to cover that next week. Yes. Uh, did you watch the ad for Powerless the, the, with Adam West narrating? No, I didn't. And the only way, no, I shouldn't say the only way, because Powerless, it's you know, it's like I accept it's solely this wacko side universe, like a Mad Magazine version of the DC universe. Sure. Okay. But we know that Alan Tudyk is playing uh, Bruce, Bruce Wayne's, Wayne's cousin. cousin. So. I will adore this series forever if Adam West is revealed to be Bruce Wayne. If it's like an old Bruce Wayne. Oh, my. Would that not? That would like, be very cool. <laughs> or, no, no, no. They never show him. He's always on the phone, and the voice is Adam West. Yeah, but, you, but, you know, as much as Charlie's I love Adam Angels West, kind of he thing. sounds like he's 80. You oh, know? I know, yeah. Or he's older But than I that. just, I would just like to... That would be yeah. cool. No, no, no. Totally, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Next on your stack? Um, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Next on my stack is um, Champions number five. And we uh, and it's actually got uh, Gwenpool on the cover taking over. So it says Gwenpians on the cover. Um, have you read any Gwenpool? One story. Okay. I have – I'm pretty sure that I've only seen – one issue where she showed up in something and it may have been like i don't know uh i think but, she showed up in howard the duck and that's where i read her so this story this storyline is kind of it's kind of weird because she is like deadpool uh she says she's from an alternate universe where everybody who she's interacting with right now are actually in comic books. So she does she doesn't break down the fourth wall the same way as mm-hmm. Deadpool does. Um and she is kind of over the top in reacting to things. You know, she wants to deal with everything like a comic book reaction. So, you know, disagree with someone, let's have a fight, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um I was not willing to like and not wanting to like it as much as I did doesn't mean I'm going to go seek it out anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had when you you breathed in when I said Gwen uh, when I said Gwenpool, um, it's kind of the same way I felt uh, th- that she was going to be in this book. This is an important book though, because, because it's champions. No, no, because in this one the champions uh, start off um, rescuing people from a mosque, a burning mosque where the firefighters are standing outside it, not fighting the fire because they think it's a little too risky. And then you find out that there's a, the chief of police, the sheriff in town, um, basically is a racist who, because he, because he is a man in power and has it, that the rest of the town feels empowered to be racist as well. And to be overtly, huh. yeah. How about that? So, um, and I think it's the first in a in an arc, at least a two two issue arc. Uh, but That's what I say. it's you a know, good examination of, when of these I, things. When I read the third issue of, so I think I'm one behind. 
when I read the third issue of Champions, and it just about made me cry. Yeah. Because I was like, wow. I mean, this is – okay, so I have two teens. <laughs> Not quite yet. <laughs> I have two teen children. I taught I taught teens for many years. Um so I think that I have not an expertise and insight, shall we say, into what's driving them, what's concerning uh, you mm-hmm. know, my former students that are in college and, and young adulthood. We're friends on Facebook, so I see what's, you know, what's, the important what's driving them. them, what's important to them. And, and I taught at a school that was all about social justice. So when I read the third issue, I'm like, yes, this is, mm-hmm. this is amazing. This is – Every and in fact, I recommended to a former student last week who was saying like she goes to a comic shop to buy Buffy, and I said, "Here are some books you might like." Yeah. And I said, "Champions is one. Read Ms. Marvel solo, but Champions is really good." And I said, "It's better than it has a right to be." Yeah, you know, and and, and that's why I wanted to talk yeah. about the you, the Gwenpool con part of this might turn some people off, but you should go ahead and read, buy this right. book and read it through. Then I, I, will, I will take that. There we go. Yep. Uh, I'm going to pick up because this book, I've actually had non-comics reader fan, friends posting, hey, I can't remember which website ran an article, might have been Vox.com, about how The Flintstones, this Hanna-Barbera thing, is one of the best books that DC is putting out right now. Putting in serious social commentary in right. a redo of this sitcom, cartoon sitcom, to which I would say, here's the thing. It's like this is also the attitude, the growing attitude about this is this is a book that is better than it has a right to be. I was, and you said you stopped buying it. This is issue number eight. I, I'm behind. I was a little turned off by how directly it was challenging. It was calling it parallels. Yeah. Um, because to me it's, it's the Flintstones. It's sort of like the wacky race land thing is, which I read all the way through, through, but I'm like, you just made wacky races into, and, and like I said, when they announced this whole project, it's like, these were my dark thoughts of like, they would never do this. Yeah. And I had, you know, thought of different ways of, of making grim and gritty versions of these characters. The Flintstones is a different take in that it's humorous in its own right. And why it's worth calling out is yes, a lot of people love this, are, are liking this book. It's not. A hundred percent, I think, for children, which you might think because it's the Flintstones. No, no. But I don't is think it's, a, it's cover? a YA. Um, yeah, it is. My it God. Is, it is uh, Wilma and Betty uh, drawn by uh, Howard Shaken. And suddenly Rick has to and go no back fish to the comic net. shop. No, no. no, because they'd be actual fish <laughs> in, uh, in that. Those times. But the writer, Mark Russell, and why I want to call it out is because they're doing their next wave in the annuals, we, which we've called out. And it's funny that I – Drew a pair, like drew a conclusion from one of the backup stories, and DC just confirmed and announced that there's going to be an ongoing, of all things, Snagglepuss. Okay, but wait. A separate book? Written by, a so ongoing solo series, written by Mark Russell, the guy who does the Flintstones. Okay. And when they announced that there was going to be a backup story, I can't remember which annual it is, it's going to be Snagglepuss. And he's going to be done as a play, Broadway playwright in the 50s. And I thought, okay, I'm hoping that he's not going to be human. I'm hoping he's still Snagglepuss, right? Recognize sure. that. But I went, of course he's Tennessee Williams. And I drew all those inferences. And I probably didn't write them down, but it was just like, you know, because I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's funny to me. I mean, it's clever. And they announced, yeah, that's the thing is Snagglepuss because now you can make the commentary is he's going to be a closeted gay 
playwright in the 50s in New York who then has the double thing of he's also a mountain lion or a panther. Tiger. I don't know what he is. Um, is he a saber-toothed tiger? No, he's not a saber-toothed. He's not, no? no, he's not a saber-toothed. No. no. Um, for one thing, he's pink. But um, Oh, okay. But he's definitely he's definitely oh. Tennessee Williams. He talks like him, you know. He's got like, it, got it. No, no, no. It's stage left. No, 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 no. I was I was still on the Flintstones. I thought one of their no, no, the, no, the no, cat. No. I, I no, the I, Flintstones. I done made the yeah. You know, we hadn't talked about those crossovers. You know, right. the Flintstones is going to meet um, Booster Gold. Of course, but, you know, makes sense. Time travel. Sure. Um, Adam Strange is going to meet is going to cross over with Future Quest. Yeah, that's fine. The oddest one to me is that Top Cat is going to meet Batman. I take that back. That's the second oddest. But Top Cat <laughs> is going to stay an anthropomorphic cat, and he's going to come from a parallel universe and meet. Sure. The oddest one to me is the Banana Splits meet Suicide Squad. Yeah. 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 Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor are going to do the Jetsons. And that's going to anything in the background. Uh, the backup of the Flintstones. Um, it's odd, you know, and I don't know if you saw, did you see Superman this week? I saw it. I have it. Multiplicity. See Captain Carrot on the cover. Oh yeah. 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 We'll see. Um, anyway, way to sneak one in on me. Anyway, that's my, that's my Flintstones recommendation. Pick this up because there's some very interesting commentary, which I know this was original. Flintstones was created to be like a domestic sitcom and reflected the concerns of the sixties. Wasn't there an issue where they were there were protests about monogamy? Yes. Yeah, that yes. one. That one sounded. I I didn't stay on long enough to read that story, but I was that one sounded interesting. Where they said, well, you know, which is reality. If you went to primitive man, supposedly it's tribal and and right. you know, you just go back into the cave and that the and that Fred and Wilma actually want to be monogamous. Yeah, and that that's considered weird. Right. But they're not and there's the thing is that they have two gay friends that are like, you know, it's just the tribe raises and they and they I guess made the argument that, you know, having those and there were some people around cavemen that were homophobic and they said but having them back there to help raise the kids mm-hmm. it was more people without being concerned about their own, but being concerned about the tribe was a stronger, better thing. Help the tribe survive. It was an interesting viewpoint. Yeah, I hadn't thought of it from that perspective. Who would, I, who would think we'd be studying the Flintstones in sociology? Well, college, but that's what college. I'm saying. Yeah. It's like you know, people are probably overlooking this book, and there's some interesting. I don't know. Like I said, they ticked me off on a couple of things, but I thought, yeah. but challenge me. But of all the books to be challenging me intellectually about the way I'm thinking about something, the Flintstones. Yeah, especially drawn by Steve Pugh. Or, good God, you're going to give me a Howard Chaik and Wilma? <laughs> okay, sorry. That Betty. was so awful. Betty. Anyway, yeah. Isn't that, wasn't that a Red Dwarf argument? I'm totally about Wilma. Yeah. There was an argument about who was who was hotter. It's like, it's, yeah, you do that with uh, Gilligan's Island. The uh, No, but I think on Red Dwarf they did a Wilma and Betty I, one, I think you're right. Which was even funnier, more pathetic being cartoon characters. So I'm holding my hand on, on my Phantom book right now. The, no, you the can't book, talk about it. You the, already snuck one in. No I, no, I did not. I made a comment on anthropomorphic characters um the book that i'm going to recommend that i that i did not buy which is not in my stack is the unstoppable wasp and i picked up the first issue and i read it and it was enjoyable it was what i think any young female uh comic reader would want to be reading right now it just wasn't for my demographic 
But um, if you're looking at it's, I think Marvel more than DC is hitting it out of the park with books for young women right now. I, I I can't disagree with that. I think who's really hitting it out of the park are Boom, Boom and Oni are doing you know, but but not many people are going to pick those up. You know, yeah. but I, I think. Uh, it is interesting to see it set in the. You're city. going back to Lumberjanes and uh, Lumberjanes, uh, Giant Days. Uh, I think to some extent uh, the Backstagers. Uh, what's the the Woods was the one uh, James Tynan did before, uh, um, and then maybe it's Dark Horse that just announced there's a female riff on um, King Arthur coming. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it's uh, the people that have done something uh, Goldie Vance for Boom. So uh, that's another one. I hear great things about Goldie Vance, but I'm with you. I, I I love recommending things that we're not necessarily reading, yeah, because I can't keep up with it all. And I admit, you know, I obviously I do a poor job of keeping up with what I want to. The the part of the part of the book is that it's the Wasp is a Russian, uh, right? Hank Pym's daughter. One of those fantastic Jeff Johnsian plot hole, yeah, plot, you know, plot holes that nobody thought was there. No, and and the thing is, she is. And as a teenage girl, she is not only not only coming to terms with being a teenage girl, but she's also coming to terms with being an American and all the things that are going on socially in that. Yeah. So she's an alien in her own environment. And she which first I appeared think, in the Avengers. Yes, um, I loved that. One of my favorite parts about that debut was that Jarvis was really you know angry. Don't you dare take the wasp and Janet Vine dying, and now we're going to take you to meet Janet, and she's going to be weird. And Janet comes up and goes, oh, okay, so that's who you are. Great, and let's go. we got to save right, this. Right, know? right, let's go shopping. <laughs> no, they went to, they went to no, like, yeah, yeah. save somebody from a, from a fire. Or then they went shopping. You know, of course. But that it like Janet was immediately accepting. It was a great, you know, let's get rid of that level of angst, and let's go right to... As you say, those questions. Um, so, so now I'll do the, my last book, which is BS. I'm gonna. It's like we're playing some kind of deck building game right now. I'm gonna lay it down too, because for once we did bought you read the it? same cover. No, I read it. Um, so, oh, we did get the same. Were there multiple covers? Yes. Oh, okay. There was an action figure cover. Oh, I don't like those. This is the only action figure set I actually covet. <laughs> and I keep telling Ross that. Would you stop? Would you just make the action figures? So we're we're both talking, of course, about Planet of the Apes Green Lantern, which is is not a great crossover title. It's like it's like yeah, it's two different two is different there no titles. Actual arc title? There is not an arc title. No. That is a shame. Because- yeah. So yeah. Um, issue one of six. Um, and this is almost my counterpoint to the Tarzan review I did last week because I loved everything about the Tarzan. Their view on the crossover was fresh and new and very cool. Added to the storyline, they examined multiple levels of crossover in the yeah. Planet of the Apes time traveling theme yeah, as yeah. well. So just a hundred percent on that one. This one is looking, you know, like a kind of a weak version of the Star Trek Green Lantern crossover because you've got 
an event that rips a hole in time and a ring gets thrown through it and Sinestro is looking for all the 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 ultimate ring and um then we have a we have Cornelius ends up with a ring at the end and uh, well yes that does seem like I, which and that's not this I like the Star Trek Green Lantern crossover I said but a when, weak version of but it but when they did the Star Trek you know what, uh, Star Trek Planet of the Apes crossover there was something interesting and that arc did have a story it have a title that was the Primate Directing uh-huh. that was brilliant yes. Give me that little extra effort. This does feel like, oh, we haven't done this one yet. Yeah. You know, um, but I would agree with you that the Tars on the, on the Planet of the Apes has been the one of those, not only was it like, a, oh, why did no one do this before? Right. But then the version they did that I've re- of what I've read of it so far was like, that's a brilliant take. Right. That's a brilliant alternate universe. Like, I liked the Primate Directive, but it was... It was like a Star Trek. What they did was they didn't say, here's Tarzan as you know him. Right. And here's an event that shoves him into the other universe. This was an event that affected Tarzan as he came to be known. Right. You know, one of my favorites that uh, was the other, and this is still Star Trek, the Star Trek Legion of Superheroes one Mm -hmm. worked where they actually had, now I can't remember who it was that was the Legion villain, but it was a oh, it was Vandal Savage. Vandal Savage and oh, okay. Joe, the guy, the immortal that had been in Star Trek, was I think it was Vandal Savage that they said um, that they were sort of alternate universe versions of each other, and the universes were merging. So you know, the immortal in the Star Trek universe was vaguely benevolent, you know, maybe more like a, right. Was it lawful neutral? To use a D and D term. Um, Whereas, whereas Vandal Savage had become basically chaotic evil. Right. And so that's what they were facing was that they had they had to go like back in time and switch it so that they would split so that the good one or the, the neutral one would exist in the Federation. Right. Because the Legion already knew how to handle Vandal, Vandal Savage. Savage. Yeah. So it was really an interesting – you know, interesting twist on that. Yeah, and I, I you know, we, I, and the Doctor Who Star Trek one worked out, worked fairly well. Oh yeah, well. that one was. You know, um, and these to me, I'm hoping this is going to get better. And here's I'm the thing: not, is, I'm not saying to me these are just fun. Yeah, and then when they it's become only six issues, and when they become something more than fun, like Tarzan on the Planet of the Apes, yeah, which is still fun, but like a really interesting thought piece, that really thrills me. Yeah, you know, so. Um, I'm going to start since we both talked about it, we both had it and you had your phantom book. I'm okay with that. Okay. Let's talk uh let's talk a little bit of TV because speaking of Star Trek Doctor Who. Yeah. Um although I you know what I'm not going to mourn this. We have to say what it is. I, well, okay. This is something that when some when a long-standing rumor is confirmed, I'm past the point of mourning it because I'm like, yeah, that's that going to happen. Peter Capaldi announced this week that he was going to leave the role of doctor of the doctor in doctor who at the end of the 10th season mm-hmm. series, which is this next one. He's going to stay through to the Christmas special. So then, then there's the handing off to the new showrunner Chris Chibnall. So yes, it is sad as the passing of every doctor is sure is sad. We, always, we always look at it and go, how can anyone fill his shoes until um, they find you know, somebody I mean, with it's funny. His... I can't remember what talk because it's a talk show we don't get here, but David Tennant, it's been kind of viral and I posted it too, it was David Tennant. Somebody wrote in, and I, I assume it was actually more about Brexit, but somebody wrote into this talk show, seriously, and said, you know, could you, to the host, could you ask your guest, David Tennant, 
to step forward and tell us that everything's going to be okay. <laughs> and it wasn't funny because David Tennant started, like, you could tell he was crying. And it was really, I mean, it was probably somewhat planned because it was almost, it was too articulate. Yeah. Um, although he is an articulate man. But he, and in the middle of it, he said, you can trust me. I'm a doctor. And everybody laughs, but I'm like, yeah, there is, this is weird. There's a residual. And, and I'll say, it's, I know, I get it. Yeah. If, you're, if you're yelling at me right now, listening to this podcast, I get it. We, we, we ascribe a moral weight to people based on their celebrity. But the doctor, if you are a fan of Doctor Who, there is something really deep. Like when Matt Smith left and he gave that final monologue there, which... You may hate Stephen Moffat if you're a Doctor Who fan, but you got to admit that was one hell of a farewell speech. And I watched oh, yeah. that over and over. And I, when I finally showed my daughter that episode, and she and I were sobbing through it. Yeah. And you know that my son said, you know, like stop and and transcribed it. He was like in fourth grade, and he had to transcribe that uh, or third grade. Um, because it's been like four years that Peter Capaldi's been in the role. You know, he had to transcribe it and, and say like, you know, he recognized at a young age, these are important words. Yeah. You know, and um, it's weird seeing that you know, these people play any other role. You know, it, it's just odd. So the doctors hold a place. And Peter Capaldi, I've always, I've long thought was a good actor. But he wasn't somebody that would have sought out. I mean, I enjoyed, I've watched some of In the Loop and oh, enjoyed I would that. never have thought, watching In the Loop, you'd never go, Doctor Who. Right. <laughs> and a, maybe a villain in Doctor Who. <laughs> but uh, there are things, you know, and of course, and we should say, if we, we acknowledge, but the passing of, of John Hurt last week, and I reposted on, on, on uh, it is on Fanboy Planet. I mean, I didn't do it from Gallifrey One last year when they asked him to read, John Hurt, to read monologues, famous monologues from other doctors. And he did Capaldi's one from the Zygon inversion. The anti-war speech. Oh. Now, it was powerful coming from John Hurt because it's John Hurt. Yeah. But I watched it again and went, Capaldi nailed that one. You know, I mean, there was like, <laughs> there's no question. I mean, of course, John Hurt was basically doing a cold read. But it was just like, I will miss Capaldi in the role because there's something where even in the dumb episodes, and there are some. Yeah. Um He's had these moments, and I'll shout out to IO9. They had like the 10 moments that made the doctor, that made Capaldi's doctor, you know, and one of them was, uh, I think it was the one where there, there was the moon larva or something, you know, right. the dragon. Right. And Clara had, had betrayed him. You know, and he said, and somewhere they're down on the beach afterwards. No, they're in the TARDIS. He says, we got to fix this. And she says, but I betrayed you. And he said, do you think that you mean so little to me that I would not forgive you? Nice. And I was like, of course it's a writer putting those words in his mouth, but he gives you this yeah. weight. And like the, one of the mistakes of the series was as much as I love, loved her, uh, Clara staying for that last season when last Christmas was so clearly yes. the farewell or the end of that. That was the farewell. Yes. Um, because when he sat down and she was an old woman, it was the Titanic moment to me. Yeah. It was like when he sat down and had not noticed that she had aged at all. And that's one of my favorite things about this version of the doctor that he really sees souls. 
and he does he can't tell the aging i mean what was the there was a line in in the in the i think it was in the christmas special this last one in the return of dr mysterio where he saw this woman and said like you know and she was like in her 70s and he said what do you like 25 and she's like oh because he can't tell how old humans are and it's like that's a really cool take yeah yeah my favorite moment for him Riding in on the tank with the with the guitar and which the was, sunglasses, which was one of the was uh, okay. one of Io9's top moments. Yeah, and uh, you know there are things the, the Zygon inversion speech. There are uh, you know th- there are just moments that I'm like, it's like Star Trek. It's like the best of the Star Trek episodes for me, where I realize anytime somebody references these things, I go, I gotta watch that again. And Doctor Who is one of the few things in my adult life. Like Star Trek, I know it's ingrained because I watched those after school as a little kid, you know, in the on, on the syndication on Channel 2. And, you know, so to me, I see those kinds of things as like, oh, they're in my soul because I watched them so many times. We were just talking about that with comic books, you know, like you just watched them over and over and you, right, uh, and, you right. and you became a fan that way. And it's been very hard for me to spark to things as an adult in that same way. But Doctor Who has done it. and Can we play a game? I, I suspect you're going to play the game that I wanted to play, which, which is, is who's going to replace it. Yes, that's the game. I, I, okay. I was assuming you're going, so I came armed. Okay. Um, David Tennant has come out today and given his recommendation. Well, yeah. Okay. Uh, which is not the – okay, so I, I don't mean to, to spoil any of your choices either, but the bookie's favorite. I, I love – or it's sad. I shouldn't say I love this because, one – I think there's something wrong. In, I'm going to be honest. I think there's something wrong in the world when the things that are the most important to Fanboy Planet show up on CNN. So when I see a headline on the on on CNN's website that Peter Capaldi has stepped down from Doctor Who, as much as I'm excited by mainstream acceptance, I'm like, this is not news. These, there are truly important things going on in the, the world. This is the cooling rod going into the nuclear pile that <laughs> yes. is, is news. Oh, let's, oh, uh, you know, oh, right. the, the doomsday clock moved 30 seconds closer to midnight? <laughs> Peter Capaldi stepping down. Uh, <laughs> right. You know, but, uh, so the bookie's favorite is Ben Wishaw. Who is Q in oh, the in uh, in uh, the Daniel Craig in the Daniel Craig? He's been in more than Spectre. Yeah. He's been in all the Daniel Craig movies. Um, as Q. I don't think they call him Q. Um, Wait a minute, isn't that the new the new Q is a young yeah young man. okay yeah so that's that's he hasn't been in all the Daniel Craig movies but he's but he was Just established before recent Spectre one. he Just was more. he was established before Spectre. Okay. We'll look it up. If I'm, this yeah. is why we need Nate to like look at things. Okay. We'll go after. Hey, and write into editor at fanboyplanet.com and tell me I'm full of crap, but I'll know one way or the other after this podcast. Um, so that's the favorite. Right. I'm not keen on it because it feels like it's been done. I know. And that's where I went away from those types. So the first thing is Billy Piper came out and said it should be a woman. Many people okay. have said, you know, and I said – I feel, and even Stephen Moffat said, now the time is right. It's possible. Olivia Coleman makes sense for two reasons to me. One, behind the scenes. She is a major part of Chris Chibnall's, uh, I was going to say Torchwood, and she wasn't. Uh, it's the Broadchurch, uh-huh. the crime drama with David Tennant. So she's great. She has. A, she appeared in the 50th, uh, in the Five-ish Doctors, uh, 
in a lawn chair, like going, I haven't been asked. You know, I'm in everything. So apparently in England, she's, yeah, which she is, by the way, if you need to see, you know, look up on Hulu, that Michelin Web look. She's all over that sketch show and she's hilarious. Wow. It's funny that you mentioned that. And she is, she has made one appearance on Doctor Who legitimately already, which is she is one of the coma victims in Matt Smith's first episode. Um, okay. She's the one that actually is the spokesperson for Prisoner X. And um, so to me, it would be interesting to pick up the idea. This is the continuity idea that we know why Peter Capaldi's doctor, why the 12th doctor chose the face he had. So mm. it would be interesting for the doctor to regenerate now that we've established that he does choose the faces, whether subconsciously or not. It would be interesting to see a li- the, that beat. Okay. I also thought, and Billy Piper already said, no, I think I'm too busy, would be interesting if he took Rose's face. And and, beca- and Billy Piper became the doctor. Um, the person who has been campaigning for the role for at least a year, which just from a tr- uh, of a standpoint of, I love her, and if we're not going to get more Agent Carter, Haley Atwell. Oh sure, yeah. Haley Atwell wants to be the doctor, and she would be awesome. That would be that would be nice because it for one thing, she's a more mature actress. But if you're going to go, and I'm probably going to take your Michelin Webb suggestion okay. away from you, is if you want to go, if you're not going to cast a woman, it's Patterson Joseph. Oh, no, no, no. Because no. he's always okay. got an otherworldly. Uh, Patterson Joseph was uh, the Marquis de Calabas. Calabas in, in Neverwhere. Yeah. Um, he was also on um, le- uh, he was already, The Leftovers. He was on HBO. already a character who was. He had been, his name had been thrown around before yes, Capaldi. Yes, it was. Right. It was before Capaldi. Right. And I loved that choice. And I think right now. I did too. If you want to. A woman or a black actor is exactly. <laughs> these are two different so, choices, but they're exactly the choices to make. So. One of those two to me. Mine all come from just like looking over British actors and actresses and stuff. And so I'll just go right to I I thought David Mitchell from Mitchell and Webb. I think he would be he be he has a nice comic. T- I just I thoroughly enjoyed and him. And his voice has already been on it. In the Upstart Crow, you know, he, Yeah. and I and and, and, and he it's feels nice like he to would get be a comedian. A he would he would be a callback to Sylvester McCoy. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to kind of like look. I think he's a tremendous it's it's like the joke when Ricky Gervais when the officer came out somebody met uh, one of my friends emailed me and said, you need to watch The Office because there's this guy, Ricky Gervais, and he's the British Derek McCaw. <laughs> and I argued back, most people would say, I'm the British Derek McCaw. But when I watch David Mitchell, I think, and he's younger than me, but I go, that's kind of one Where'd of my, like wheel, my wheelhouses yeah. of my comedic style is often like that. And I yeah. think there's a physical, he's thinner, bless him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, uh, but, but I see a similarity. So, Oh, a doctor I could cosplay. Uh, <laughs> so another one, um, did you ever watch D- Jonathan Strange and Mr. Moral? Norrell, I have not. Norrell, uh, Bertie Carvel, who played Jonathan Strange, mm-hmm. uh, I think w- is just a little weird enough and still, he, he has almost, uh, he almost looks like he could be, um, and I didn't think of this right away until I looked at pictures of him. 
but he's got kind of a oh now I can't remember the name of the actor who played it during the in the Fox movie. Uh, um, the Eighth Doctor, Paul McGann. Paul McGann. He's kind of. How dare you? He's sir. kind of. I'm sorry, I was. I'm taking off my pantomime glove and about to slap me. you across okay, the face. Okay. Good day, sir. But um, yeah. So that's one. Now, I did have before we get to women, and I did think maybe an American who can play British. No. Well, I still want it. Have you watched The Magicians? No. Okay. So there's two actor. Uh, there's an actor who plays Elliot. His name is Hale, Hale, Hale uh, Applegate. Apple, yeah, Elliot. And then the dean of the school is Rick Worthy. He's a, he's a very interesting I, I black actor. Is. Yeah. Um, and finally, for the male candidates. Because Rick Worthy's on, um, I think he's on Man of the High Castle. Oh, is he? I've only watched the first episode, so you need, I, 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 I binge them. I binge them in the last I two weeks. To. The first I need season, to. Uh, but I and then watch the here's my wacky one, Be, just because I'd like to see him do it, and I just know he would go. Capaldi was insane because he was such a fan. Yeah, this guy is more of a fan than Capaldi. Craig Ferguson. And, and once again, uh, okay, that's been no, that has been mentioned. I don't think Craig Ferguson would do it, and my own, and I love that. That's not the first time I've heard it. Yeah, or actually, a very I, what I think is a naive uh, request came. Uh, I've seen in fan press, which is I think all the episodes are shot. So may, except for the Christmas episode, yeah, I, I think the season's done. Is at the very least, Craig Ferguson should, should be in an should episode. play in an episode because he and Peter Capaldi were in a band together. Yes, and and the point they made uh, this article <coughs> read, made, which and I, which I think is dead on, is that uh, Craig Ferguson did so much to tout Doctor Who when he had the talk show. Yes, he had Karen Gillan on, he had David Tennant on, he'd he mentioned he'd Smith, go into rants on a drop of a and hat. He had Peter yeah. Capaldi on, he had a Dalek on, he interviewed a Dalek. Yes, uh, so I think that'd be great. But when you say him as the doctor, the thing I think is, though he is a great actor, yeah, his energy might end up feeling too close to Capaldi's too soon. Like he might find his own identity. I can buy that because when you watch, if you rewatch Capaldi, it took a while for his personality to gel as they're doing. Oh, he's absolutely manic in the first couple of episodes. You know, and, and and really a jerk in a way that there yeah. didn't seem much yeah. redemptive. It was almost yeah. too hard. They were trying too hard to be weird. So I'm not really pushing on Craig. I, it was just he occurred to me at the end of my and yeah. at the end of the list. And then here's my here's my uh, vote for a female doctor, Amanda Abington. No idea who that is. She plays Mary on Sherlock. Mary Watson. Oh, okay. Because again, a more mature take. Somebody who could, somebody who could, I think, could carry the role. Um, just from from what she did in, in Sherlock. I haven't seen her in anything else. Martin Freeman's ex-wife, uh, ex-partner. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, not to define her in that way. I think she's very good as Mary. I had a difficult time warming up to Mary, and I don't know why. Um, I think you were supposed to. Maybe yeah. and and so she was a and, hidden assassin. I know, but you know what I mean. I think the way the part was written is 
I never felt watching Sherlock, and I don't think this is her fault at all, and I'm sure a lot of people will disagree with me on this, I never felt like I could ever like Mary because the show, the movies just kept telling me to like her because she's there. You know, I mean, like, I never saw why, why John Watson was so in love with her. They never showed me those things. Right, right, right. You know, and then, and so that was hard. But, but I that's think, the script. I mean, yeah, no, no, no yeah. I, I, I'm agreeing with that. Yeah, um, it'd be interesting. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm still going to stick with. I think Olivia Coleman would be fantastic because she needs to, she needs to have that American breakout role. And mm-hmm. if you haven't watched Broadchurch, um, anybody, um, it's on, it's on Netflix. Chibnall wrote most of it. The new showrunner on Doctor Who. It. I started watching the second season. I, was, I, I paused. It's like one of the things. I, I binged the first season, the first series, which has every right to exist. And then when I got to the end of the first series, I went, I have no idea how there's going to be another uh, <laughs> another series of this. And the first episode kind of made it. I'm like, okay. But it didn't, It didn't. you know, like, I'm going to get back to that. Yeah. But, but the first season, which they tried to, I can't remember what they called it. Fox adapted it and they brought David Tennant over. To play the same oh. character, but but Southern yeah. instead of British, yeah, yeah, yeah. instead of Scottish. Um, but the first series of Broadchurch is just it is searing, and I and I don't throw that word around lightly. It is just like holy crap! Each episode, what is going on, and what is the dark secret of this town? And it's just like ah, oh, it's 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 not to, you know, watch it by daylight, and you'll feel. Maybe there's faith in humanity after it. But uh, after all this consideration for the character, the, for the actor, actress, mm-hmm. um, I still my, – my favorite is still potentially um, having David Mitchell. But you convinced me that if they have the courage to go with a f- female doctor, um, Haley Atwell for me is a, is a callback to Romana – in the fourth mm-hmm. Doctor, and I think I think she'd be wonderful in it. They bring in a and, whole new life to it. Wouldn't it be interesting to have then like a, a useless male companion <laughs> for a while, where almost like the dynamic that had been the on Agent who, Carter, the, you could the cre- male who gets in trouble oh, and yeah, she has to save him. Like, oh, yeah. You know, and and there would be just something. You know, I mean, I just love her as an actress. I really, I really do. Craig Ferguson could do that role. That would be interesting, you know. I mean, that's one of my one of my regrets about this. You know, when you pass, when they change producers, showrunners, <laughs> and then it's like the arcs close, and you never see. There are some characters you love that don't get to come back right, for the next right, one. Like right. how how awesome, especially the way they left it. How fantastic would it have been for? Capaldi, and maybe they will, and we just didn't know the shit, to go back and visit Bernard Cribbins. Oh, yeah. Like to see those two interact. You know, yeah. we saw River crossover, so I, I don't, you know, because somebody's just screaming that at their uh, at their device. You know, what about River Song? Um, and there just hasn't been, like, I would like to see James, um, James Corden show up because there was such a bond between him and, and Matt Smith. And, the you know, and then to say, like, you know, what would he do, do to deal with this was my friend who helped me grow uh-huh. 
And then there's a companion thing of like, and he could never do a whole, you know, a whole series. No. Because uh, he's quite successful as a talk show host here. Yes. But it would be interesting to see him just like go, whoa, you're not, I'm sure there's He could drive around in a car and sing. Now, somebody's doing a comic book about it, I'm sure, or, or, or <laughs> one of the novels. I don't know how people keep up with those. I really don't. I'll get to the audio dramas eventually. Um, that's why I'm looking forward to Gallifrey One uh, because that's where I catch up on my, you get I, your, I, I buy my, you know, the next season of, of uh, CDs. Of CDs, absolutely. We're still we still haven't quite finished Paul Paul McGann's first season, but you know, knowing mm. that, and then we got to get the, I got to get the next War Doctor. Did you buy Dark Eyes? Not no. yet. It's not. It, I'm not that far. Okay. Um, but uh, I should say that if you are someone who really enjoyed John Hurt's work, and by the way, I think on Amazon Prime through Acorn, and I'm not sure if it's actually included as Amazon Prime yet. I have to check this out. I, Claudius, in which uh, John Hurt mm. plays Caligula, is on the Acorn subsection of Amazon. So uh, you can find what is arguably one of one of his best performances in a lot of great performances. Yeah. But the interesting thing is I Luke and I have uh, – what is the name of the, of the, of the arc? But um, – like where monsters, I'm going to say because I got this Marvel thing, where monsters dwell or something, you know, where monsters go, uh, was the first um, War Doctor audio drama. So it's a three-part three, three right, part, right. Uh, CD set. Uh, and John Hurt was amazing in that. And I'm not, I, I, no, I'm just, I am sure they finished what they were planning to do with their audio dramas with John Hurt. Good. So the second one came out, and I think the third is supposed to come out within the next month. So it will be, I don't know if it'll be in time for Gallifrey One, but it's it's going to be out. Um, you know, there's the David Tennant uh, and, and, and Catherine Tate uh, came back and did a series of, of audio dramas. So I'm looking forward to picking those up. And I could say if people are going to Gallifrey One, I, uh, I'm going to be on one panel, which is funny that it's almost like what we uh, we danced around a little bit is uh, how could they end it like that? Oh. Series that end with, ends with, end with the, on a cliffhanger. Um, you know, because I was thinking... Blake Seven. But I'll talk this year, one that if they, they haven't announced they're going to renew yet, is the good place? Oh yeah. Have you caught up? Did you catch I up? I did on not it? catch up on it. The good place does a final episode twist. That if they ended there, it would be sort of like reading the Dark Tower. Okay. Of like, no, that's a good ending. It makes sense, but it doesn't. But it's not satisfying. But because I was watching the good place, going like, how is how are they going to carry this through? They have to resolve. I don't know how a second season will happen. And now I know how a second season will happen. Everybody's like, I hope they get renewed. And I'm thinking, and yet, from strictly a storytelling a satisfaction, it's like, that's actually a kind of cool place to end. Yeah, I'm sure that many people are going to disagree with me on that. But I just love that. It's like, you know, and my one of my favorite sitcoms from last year, The Grinder. they actually kind of ended because that was a series where it was like, it was clear. It's like, you can't maintain this. This is brilliant. But there's a character arc that once it's finished, I don't care past that. But I want to see it finished, you know, So that, which they did. So look that one up. But, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of, you know, Blake 7 I know was a huge was a huge cliffhanger. Um, I, don't, I don't know what else we're going to talk about. I'm hoping we get contact. You know, it's only a couple of weeks away. But uh, Oh, there's lots of them, though. But I, I know. And there are a lot of series. How could the end lost like that? Well, yeah, but I think that one allegedly resolved. <laughs> yeah, but how could they do that? <laughs> 
That's a totally different issue. It's like, I don't think the panel is about, why the F did that happen? <laughs> That's a totally different That's panel. That's a different panel. That's a different panel. They did not uh, accept my submission, which was, on doc- <coughs> on, obviously because it's Galibre 1, a Doctor Who was, I want to do the faces of the Doctor. Like, once you've established that Peter, why Peter Capaldi is, oh. uh, you know, and uh, my friend Drew Simchik, who writes the Doctor Who reviews for us, uh, we were talking at Gallifrey one last year and said, and he said he knew why Colin Baker, he knew why the sixth doctor had the face of the man who had shot the fifth doctor. And he said, no, it's very logical that it's to remind him not to trust someone that you, that you think is friendly, Mm -hmm. just be wary. And I went, okay, that's interesting. And so I thought, would it be interesting to kind of retcon so I we're gonna we want to collaborate now that it's not a panel, but I'll give away one of my punchlines was I said, well, clearly the eighth doctor was to remind me that I'd heard that Whitnell and I was a really funny movie and I wanted to watch it. <laughs> you know, it's like being smart. He's come up with these really great justifications within the series why this is the face. Why, and I'm and like, yours are and I'm all the you know the dumbass yeah. like eh, you know. <laughs> so anyway, uh, but Evan uh, Costello go to Gallifrey. Wouldn't that be awesome? Uh, anyway, so that's that's it. I hope uh, that you're ha- having a good time and enjoying. And uh, thank you for listening. And once again, you if you have any feedback you want to give us, write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. Uh, and, and in the meantime, I'm Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder reminding you to use your powers only for good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com. It's under the it's under the cushion. There you go. How about now? Yes. That should sound better now. Yes. All right. All right. Um so we want to make the we just make the Cinequest interview top story? Yeah, sure. I think that will make the most sense. Um I'm just thinking that if people are going to fall off during that, then they don't see the rest of it. And the rest of it's pretty short. They don't hear the rest of but it. But then people might fall off during comics for the same reason people that people pick up. If our listeners fall off during comics, then... No, but I think there are more people that will we'll watch. pick it up because Cinequest will retweet. That's true. So okay, I sure. think it's better to make that the top story. Yeah. We run the risk. Our followers will follow because of, or they'll fast forward to con- to wait for what's in the bag. So, all right. I have an interesting um, phantom book in my uh, 
in my what's in the bag. It's a recommendation that I wouldn't buy. No, that's good to occasionally throw in there. Yeah. As I say, we recommend books that they'll say, stay away. Whereas the, uh, there's a Monty Python routine, radio routine about uh, Australian table wines. Oh, yeah. And my the favorite, new fawn, no, the uh, this is not a wine for drinking. This, this is, is a wine, wine for, for lying, lying down, down and, and avoiding. avoiding. That is my absolute favorite. <laughs> An aborigine, aborigines, no, a, a, a f- table wine with a bouquet like an aborigines <laughs> armpit. This is a wine. For, yeah, this is a wine for not a wine for drinking. Yes, a fine fighting wine. <laughs> <laughs> Don't take too much time because I think that you're. Uh, we bought a lot of nasal clarity because of, of chili. I don't know how long it'll last. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did that clear you out? <laughs> just good. Like yesterday, I, I, when I got back to Sunnyvale after Gilroy, I was just like, uh, I need hot and sour soup. Got a big thing of hot and sour soup. It has cleared me out for a while until about when you started saying like, when I messaged you, I'm like suddenly hit by this wave of, that was an artificial clarity and just went, Bleh. you know, had the hot toddy last night and then totally... Oh, hot toddies are I good. I was out. Fresh lemon from the tree. Yeah. Not a city joke, actually. A lot of lemons. A lot of lemons. But I read an article. I've been, I've been, I've been withholding my uh, hot toddies from myself because alcohol had started acting as a stimulus. Like, I'll sleep for a couple of hours and then wake up and be awake for an hour. But then I read that... That whiskey actually, that it's the white alcohols, like vodka will stimulate and keep you awake. Really? But whiskey, well, you'll fall asleep, but then it'll, it'll hit the system. But that hot toddies actually, it was an article saying hot toddies actually are this really effective um, drink to soothe when you're feeling cold symptoms. Because the honey and lemon interact, but that the scotch actually does like whole... It does act as the depressant that you need, and it holds it down, and actually does help treat symptoms. Interesting. What, whatever, whatever process. I just always assumed that whatever you drank was bad for you when you were sick. In this case, no, and, you know, because cough syrup is alcohol, or used to be. You yeah, know, and so they said they say you know that's why it worked for cough cough syrup. Um, whatever alcohol they use in that is the same similar process to scotch so I was like, yeah, you know fine then i'll try it again and i was like yes last night that really put me out cool just want right. to check one more thing here there. <coughs> of course i hate it when the phone lets you the browser lets you scroll down and then a picture up above resolves finally and it snaps back up to the top okay mm-hmm Problem with the halves. All right, halves of halves of whatever. I uh, so tell me about this. How to pass as human novel or graphic novel? Uh, it's an illustrated novel. It's actually it's, no, it's oh, there. It's, uh, it's by your wine. Passing as a so as a bottle of wine. I read a bit of it. I just didn't didn't finish it. Oh, okay. Derek the art in it's pretty good. I mean, it's so Dodson's cover. Is it? Dodson's it's a. Uh, um, I don't think so. Oh, okay. It's it's kind of told in little bits of 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 uh, prose story, and then a bit of 
talking about society or norms or human sexuality or whatever um, from the stand from a standpoint of a, a Android observing yeah, yeah. the way Barry things are. Please, Junior. I don't know who that artist mm. is. Never seen. But it's fine. It's you know I'm intrigued, and I'm going to have to ask them up there. They've got a new editor, Daniel Chabon, uh-huh. and I wonder if he's related. If that's Michael Chabon's hmm. son, and which in which case, it, it's very likely that he's old enough. as I remember him running around WonderCon in San Francisco. If that is the same kid, yeah, who, to his delight, I was the one person that recognized that uh, he was Mr. He was Golden Age Mr. Terrific. At like age ten, and I went, and I went, "Hey, Mister Terrific!" And Michael Shabon went around and said, "He's so happy." <laughs> He'd made the fair play right uh, you know, shirt. Yeah. No, that was really cool. Had you heard of that one before? Mm, oh yes, yes. I forgot the name of it, but I had heard of this. I just started it. It's. Uh, I love the idea. I mean. But it's again, Kim Newman has to create secret societies with people from stories that we know about. And well, Kate reads there, so this is tied in Anna Dracula. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. But also, uh, oh, what's her name? The woman. I- Irene Adler. Irene Adler. It's right there. Yeah, and then uh, well, you know he's playing his own game of old Newtonism. Yeah. Well, he's just he's in old Newton. I mean. Wold Newton is all encompassing. I know, but I, I like to go. I say it's a genre, but I still give Philip Jose Farmer all the credit for it. You know, sure, I say, I, yeah. way too forgotten. And I just saw Tom Mandrake was doing the covers for um, the Anno Dracula. He just posted on Facebook new editions for, for the no, for the comic, the Titans doing. Oh, it. oh, oh, yes, yeah. okay. Which is a side story alongside eighteen. You 18, have it right there, eighteen. 18, well, this is a bunch of short stories. Oh, that's the new one. Okay. Yeah. So he's got – I I think that I read that the Anno Dracula comic is going to take place at the same time as the novel. Okay. Yeah, it's all same the – Same time period. So The various different well, characters. I have to get this and add that since I have all the others, Titan edition. Damn it. Like I'm, like I'm going to get to any of it. Mm. You know, another big stack of things that I need to do. Well, um, Bloody Red Baron's coming up on my read list. I'm finally getting to, around to that. I read Anna Bloody Dr- Red Baron is awesome. Okay, I like that one. Dracula, cha cha cha. it's. I hate to say, the closer he get, he got to modern modern day, the it's diminishing. Less returns. charming. It's less charming. The the Johnny Alucard, the one that we had waited. Yeah, you were a longtime fan. I mean, I, I don't know how far it goes back. I because I read Anna Dracula when it first came out. Um, Johnny Alucard had a twist and an idea that I thought was really interesting, but he still, it was still like cold from novellas and, you know, so it, it just didn't, it didn't, it didn't flow uh-huh. as well as I, you know, wanted to, it set up some interesting ideas again for the future, but it wasn't sure, you know, it was almost like, yeah, but then you have to wait for some more culture to pass the way you set this up. So right. that it fits into right. Right. what's been going on. And I guess that's the other thing is once you're talking about culture that I, I was alive for, I'm not, I'm not interested. <laughs> you know, it's like, I know that version. I don't know. I think it could be done. I, maybe it's just not his. It's much more interesting when it's as deep as he can go. Well, in the but here's the thing. is like when you talk about vampires in the 70s and the 80s and yeah. part of the Euro trash and the club 
54 movement and all right. that. It's like, well, that's what the hunger did. And, yeah. you know, we've seen that. And so we've seen a whole bunch of different people are, are but the hunger, the hunger did it. The hunger was an entirely different beast of a movie. I mean, well, okay. But if you're describing vampires as being like Bowie, like basically yeah, well, when true. David Bowie was in the hunger. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And, and, and I don't want to, I, I don't want to uh, take away. I've never actually seen the movie. I'd read Whitley Stryber's novel. Oh, you never saw the hunger. So I've never seen the hunger, oh. but I'm saying I've seen pictures. Uh, but you know, once you, and then there's that, that one that, um, Tom Hiddleston and um, oh, I can't remember the name of it, and uh, it was going to be the ancient one. Tilda Swinton are vampires in Only Lovers Left Alive, I think is the name of it. Oh, I don't think I've heard um, that. It deals with vampires again in that kind of club movement, and it's, I, it's not it's not Kim Newman's fault, you know. Right. It's just like that. I, well, Anne Rice did the same thing. I mean, yeah, differently, you know. Yeah. And that's and that's the thing is I and I. Those books became kind of diminishing returns mm-hmm. to me too, mm-hmm. you know. And, and you know, I, the interview with the vampire was so groundbreaking for me. And then, right. whoa! And then Anna Dracula was like, "Yes, this is good." You know, one, the ones that got me were Fred Saberhagen's oh Dracula, Holmes Dracula files, you know, the Dracula tapes. Yeah, old friend of the family. Oh, how I loved old, old friend of the family. Fa- friend of the family is great. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's another one. Gail Simone's been posting that on Facebook. Like, what artist? You know what convention? These things that are like what hasn't been sung as well, and I'm, and I'm thinking that's one of the things that Saberhagen's kind of dropped off of people's radar. Has any of his stuff been made into movies? No, I don't think. It's so. like the the whole Berserker thing, and then Berserkers were interesting, but I could see how Berserkers are never about the Berserker. Right. They're about the you have to have somebody who could screenplay that one, telling the story of the people involved in the environment right. of the Berserkers. But when, it, but when something like that, it's like, what was that? Um, and I've never read the books, but the author, the sci-fi author, passed away like in the last couple of years. Um, the culture. Oh yeah, Banks. Yeah. Okay. Ian, Ian Banks. Banks. When you're dealing with like this concept that's great right. to pull, the, it's hard to tell. Uh, it, it's sort of like I, I used to I had to explain to my children the disappointment of the Percy Jackson movies and and the original take on a series of unfortunate events. The way movies are made right now, you have to both you're going to buy into a franchise or or a novel series right with the belief that somehow you have to make that movie that both starts a series. And also sort of half-acidly ends, ends it because right. you don't know you're going to get a second. Right, you can't do cliffhanger. So like, oh, my kids hated Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief yeah. because they loved the book so much. And they said, and they gave away stuff that was like from fourth or fifth book or uh-huh. you know, and they changed things. And I said because they had no guarantee they were going to get – I guess they re- they revealed a traitor that wasn't revealed until like the third book. Yeah. And they did it and said, because, because that movie now stands – on its own, and then awkwardly in the second one, uh, which I can't remember what the title was, but we did see that, and they liked it better. But it had to pretend that half of the things that happened in the Lightning Thief hadn't didn't happen. Yeah, you know, and redid all this stuff, and it was like, yeah, because they're now gambling. And then that one actually ends on a cliffhanger because they think they're going to get a third one, and they never did. And then the same thing happened with the series of unfortunate events. They wrapped up everything in that movie, right, just in case. And then they'd have to undo it for four, five, six, you know, and it just didn't. It, and then you get a movie that doesn't please anybody. So things like like yeah. the, like Berserker is great. I went through about three or four of those, and the short stories that he, you know, I can't remember which book that was that was a bunch of short stories, but it was like 
some books I'll just leave as you know, unless uh, unless a network takes the chance, like yeah. The Expanse coming to Bacon. Um, First episode in, recorded last night. I have a friend in Texas who said, like, maybe it's me, and maybe I'm uh, maybe I'm just hypersensitive, but. I just started watching The Expanse, and, and is everything a commentary on our culture right now? <laughs> Welcome said, to good science fiction. I, I said, it might be a coincidence, but I think just to be on the safe side, let's both just watch some Care Bears tonight. Because <laughs> I, I can't imagine Care Bears being right. a commentary. Right, right. I see that in everything. I, I, it's true. I, you know, I'm just hypersensitive. But artists respond to the times that they're seeing, right? And, right. And even though I, I remember you know, the, the world changed for me when I watched – what is that movie? Um, it's the one about the guy who falls asleep and dreams a new world, and then he wakes up in that world. Um, the Lathe of Heaven. Lathe of Heaven. Yeah. It was on. Uh, it was PBS, right? It, it was. It was a it was British a production film. on yeah. PBS. Um, well, it was. It was one show, and they they yeah. didn't do it as a series. Did no, they? no, no, no. Yeah, it was yeah. just a movie. Uh, is it Bruce Davison or Dennis Christopher? Yeah. Dennis Christopher was. But that was just so well done, and because there's no. The narrative has to carry all the explanation of what's going on. In and I it. love the book. I think that was one oh, of yeah. the rare things where, because that that came on when I was really young. But I think I'd actually read the book before. Before you saw it, yeah. I think because weirdly enough, like one of those really rare times when I'd seen the Star Log, and knew it was coming. Yeah. So I went to the library and got the Lathe of Heaven and read it. You know, and and so interesting. Uh, yeah, interesting book. Well, here we are. It is. Uh, Wednesday, February 2nd, and, right, we're still, no, it's Thursday, the sec- it's, it's the Thursday, third. the second, uh, yeah, it's it weird the- to have the month start in the middle of the week, <laughs> and yet it must, uh, <laughs> it's got a one in seven chance. <laughs>